Welcome to the WTF Forum. The hosts do not give financial, legal, medical or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. Dear partners and friends of What the fuck? Form, a very cordial welcome. The WTF Forum is a decentralized broadcast network with no governing body of any kind and is produced and distributed by a loosely affiliated, ever-growing network of rogue, independent content creators. This forum does not, will not, and shall not have any one location, feed, platform, or channel, but shall be shared and multiplied as nature dictates. If any listener of the following proceedings finds themselves offended, they will be asked kindly to go fuck themselves. that takes depressants, not pills, alcohol, because I can't handle the truth. And I know that's the issue. I can't handle how alive I am right now in the fight against these tyrants and how hard I'm going to push to go after them because I'm so full of life and so full of resistance to these murdering pedophiles who want to get in the way of God's plan. And let me tell you, I've been taken up to the third heaven. I've been jacked into the big plan. I've seen it. I've seen it. I can't even compute all this. It's so fantastic. You've not seen nothing. You ain't heard nothing. You ain't smelled nothing like this. I don't have words to tell you. But I tell you, anybody tries to get in the way of the incredible plan the big guy's got for us, it's got me pissed, and I'm just begging to stay on the team, man. Just put me in the game, coach. Whatever you say, coach. I know I'm weak. I know I'm pathetic. Man, you're amazing. I'm so lucky, you baby. What do I do, boss? What do I do? Like a hunting dog, man. Just take me out of the house. Just turn me on them. Just tell me what I got to do. Tell me what. Tell me how I serve you. Tell me what I can do for you right now. What the fuck is up, (laughs) y'all? I thought we should start with that because, God damn it, was that not motivational? Um, And at the same time, I just I got to say, like, I relate to what Alex Jones says in the first couple seconds of that clip. The truth is like too much at times. You know, living is too much sometimes. You know, personally, me, I'm like him. You know, Adderall never appealed to me. Cocaine never appealed to me. I drink beer and I smoke weed. And it's because sometimes the truth is too much, right? I'm not saying that to give myself a break. But hearing him say it almost was like a, oh my God, like that makes fucking sense, right? Uh, And I'll say, I'll say that for now. I am Mike the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast. We're going to send it around the circle. To my right, I've got Ashley. Think, change, repeat. What's happening? Hey, how are y'all doing? I'm Ashley, Think, Change, Repeat from Union Unknowns. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Also, hello to my podmate, Stella. (laughs) And I will pass it over to Drizzle. Hi, uh, I am the Drizzle Humble T-shirt merchant and uh, apparently brand new pirate radio station program director, also host of Grand Theft World Liberty Radio, and I'll send it along to Bear Snare. 
What's up, guys? I'm Bear Snare. Uh, thanks for having me. Hey, Bear, can we get a little more volume? How's that? Better. All right. I'm Bear Snare. My friends hate freedom podcast and thebearsnare.com. Stella, on to you. Hey, good to see you, Bear. Um, yes, I am a uh, colleague and happy to say friend of Ashley from Union of the Unknowns and um, also happy to say friend of all these guys. Thanks for, for having me again. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say here, I'm going to try not to get too sappy, but I almost drunk texted all y'all the other night. I had a little moment where I just was like, man, how cool are all these folks, right? <laughs> like I, I kind of like took a break from the telegram group i didn't respond to anything but i i read everything that was being said and i did i had like an emotional kind of moment where it's like this this forum was just a concept and i gotta give ando a lot of credit ando is going to be jumping in late uh but he really helped me connect with all y'all and uh i gotta say it's a cool cool thing um yeah, I, I won't go into it much more, but I just want to say thank you all for making this a priority for being here. Uh, I'm glad that for whatever reason, these conversations uh, seem to be fun and it keeps bringing y'all back. If it, if it wasn't good, I assume you would have bowed out a long time ago. So. I'm honestly just surprised you haven't kicked me off the forum yet. Ah, fuck That's why I, drizzle. I love when oh, you're God. here, bro. I'm like, I'm like, how do we get you every week instead of every other? But I know nah, we can't, we it. can't do every week anymore. <laughs> I, I just want to say that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I yeah, wish you I had texted. I, I should have, I should have just texted. I was like, oh, these motherfuckers. I love y'all. I do. I do. And I've, I've never, you know, I've met Ando in person. I've met a few folks uh, who have been on the forum in person, but I was joking with Drizzle, like we need a WTF forum retreat down in Acapulco. I thought you were being serious. I, I, I guess I, when I say joking, it was a serious joke. Yeah. I, I was being serious. Like, Let's do it. Down, Let's man. do it. Yeah. There's plenty to go around down here. I bet. <laughs> well, I'll say I can't keep up with any of the Telegram groups anymore. Um, it's, it's too much. Yeah. This summer, I've been so busy, and that's one of the reasons I haven't been around here in a while. But um, I definitely, if there's one group that I do kind of keep up with, it's WTF Forum. Hey. Rock on, <laughs> man. That's awesome. Yeah, shout out Ando. He's definitely been the cog in the machine for me with the yeah. expansion. Yeah, he got me here. I yeah, couldn't because... I couldn't have done it without him. He 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 knew all y'all. He's like a networking maniac. <laughs> so he's so good because I yeah. wasn't familiar with him as much. So I knew that he had done um an episode with Trevor Green and Tunes, and then he kind of was in our Discord and connected in that way, but he definitely talks to everybody. Sorry, Stella, yeah. go ahead. That's right. Oh no, no, I wasn't. I wasn't saying anything. I was just going to say, oh, okay. um, yeah, Tunes. Tunes was sort of the the linchpin in there. I think. Shout out Tunes. Love Definitely. you, we should, man. We should get him <laughs> back, man. He's only been on like once or twice, I think. He has an early bedtime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he has to be at work really early, so he normally goes to bed really early. I think, which is a, it what, seems like yeah. a healthy habit to me. That's me too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Might be a late night here. 
So yes, the, how did the homesteaders and the um, parents of young children are sort of, yep, they've got their own world. For the responsible lot. ones of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. God bless. Them. You know, it's funny. I worked really hard this week and I found myself going to bed much, much earlier. It's funny how that kind of works. Um, what'd you all think about that Alex Jones clip? <laughs> May I go? What can you say? I'm just going to go ahead and go. So I, I have to say this, that I actually do love Alex Jones. I, I do feel like it's probably a character. I wish he was real. Unfortunately, I, and I was asking Stella in the chat <laughs> what he's in some organization that's the same one as Glenn Beck and some of these other, uh, other folks. And I just, and he's the one that's like breaking the news about some lockdowns coming back. And I'm like, well, did he, did he get that memo so he could just spread the word and he would be like one of the best at doing that and getting us all like, oh, hell no, hell no, I'm not masking again or, you know, or what. But I, I love the video. I love Alex Jones, you know, so I feel kind of conflicted. Is it the Council for National Policy or something like that? I think that's the... Thing you're thinking that, of that may be it yeah let me see if i can get anything on that i missed the video so i'll let you guys say about that i mean we could play it again it's pretty hype <laughs> i mean should we i don't know i don't know i don't know if that's necessary you'll just have to go back and listen to it yeah yeah I'll, I'll listen back basically he's just he's expressing the fact that the reason he's so flamboyant and I don't mean that in like a gay way, but just like, um, you know, the, the reason he's so ecstatic is because the truth is like overwhelming. Right. And I basically showed that video because that's something that I relate to heavily um, that, you know, what that uh, reminds me of. Yeah, go that, ahead. That reminds me of uh, televangelists from the South back in the 80s and 90s when they were explaining to their congregations why they were so ebullient in the pulpit. It was because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and please don't forget to pass around the, uh, the offering plates. You know, Just saying. That's, that's what it reminded me of. Well, if there's one thing that bothers me about, um, say, Glenn Beck, I think he does amazing research. Him and his team come up with some incredible stuff and they bring a lot of value, but he's so sensational about it. His presentation is just over the top too much. And I guess that's kind of the same thing with Alex Jones. It's the same thing with that um, climate watch guy, Bruce something or other with the um, he's all about like the chemtrails and weather module, weather control stuff. Um, he brings Yes. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Um, yeah, he brings a lot of great information, but some of the stuff that he presents as evidence is a little over the top. Like, oh, that doesn't quite prove what you're saying. It proves. And then some of it is just like he's it's just too sensationally presented where it's just like it comes off as crazy, even though he actually has a lot of the best information on some of what's going on, too. But it's hard to know what to take seriously. He uh, hijacked quite a bit of his information from Jim Lee. Jim Lee is the go-to guy if you want weather modification, um, direct energy weapons, um, that kind of thing. Climateviewer.com is, in my opinion, 
Um, he's the guy that most people, he's the go-to guy that most of these other guys, who's the other one, Michael Landman, I think his name was. He's another one who's um, out there doing the same sort of thing as Wigington, but um, a lot of their information does come from Jim Lee's research, um, who's been at it for years and years and years. Um, so yeah, highly recommend anyone who wants to know about that stuff, go talk to Jim Lee. So I didn't necessarily expect to share this, um, but I think there's a connection here. I, I grew up at a very strange time, right? I'm 30 years old. When I was say like 13 to 15, I was being raised in the church. And when I say the church, I mean like non-denominational I, I sometimes make the joke uh, like rock and roll for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was like uh, the fog machines and the laser lights and the big screen TVs and the big mm-hmm. rock and roll show with uh, what they'd call like contemporary Christian music. Now, the funny thing about being an adolescent in this type of church is that we all thought that the worship music was kind of lame. We all got into this like genre of Christian metal or like Christian, like screamo. Um, And this is actually a local band to my area. They started in the town, literally like just East of my town growing up. And I'm just going to play like a minute of this song, but the energy to me is very Alex Jones. If you catch my drift. Um, And even to some degree, Oliver Anthony, right? I'm like kind of calling back to him this angst. Okay. So let me play this. Backwards. Backwards is all it would take. Backwards to change your heart and mind. In the heat of the sun. I know you're the only one. All right, that's probably enough. You get the picture. I mean, this is what we were jamming to uh, as young Christians, like, And I've thought about this a fair amount. Like we were all very angsty in my like little group of uh, Christian young men from the suburbs where it was kind of like, all right, like we're all like believers, but we're pissed off. Like something isn't right here. And I think it kind of, again, ties into like this angst Mm -hmm. that we hear from the Oliver Anthony song. And I, I told Drizzle before we started, I really appreciated his breakdown of the song because he kind of pointed out the the fact that it's very like victimizing it's very like ooh, poor me like who's gonna save me who's gonna save me yeah it's it's not very empowering necessarily it's all bitching and moaning and there's something very intoxicating and like appealing about that when you relate but is it the message we need right yeah, as as a songwriter myself, I sort of, I can't, disc- I mean, that's just part of writing music as well. It's sort of, I mean, it's writing from an emotional stance and that's why it relates to people is because other people feel the same way about things, you know. It's uh, um, appealing, 
in the emotions is what music is about. I mean, even classical music, take the lyrics out. That's I have seen grown men crying while they listen to classical music because, you know, it just touches them in a certain way, the way our music touches us. So I sort of, you know, I'm not saying that that's wrong or that's a bad viewpoint or anything. I'm just saying there is multiple aspects to that depending on who you are, whether you're a writer or a listener, I guess. But I do appreciate where you're coming from there. It, it's a point. Well, I, I asked the question genuinely not making a, um, like, I'm not taking a position. It's kind of like if it's relatable, there's a good reason, right? Yeah. It's not good or bad. It's kind of a reflection of the of the common emotion, right? Like emo, screamo, metal like did not come out of nowhere. And the fact that there was a, a sub genre of like Christian screamo, I find particularly like worth considering, right? Like why did that exist? Why were we that angry? So I've also um, listened to a bunch of like the Christian. I, I grew up on DC talk and newsboys. I was sort of in the same situation where my parents were Christian and so they wanted us listening to some of the more Christian stuff and then you get into some of the heavier stuff like Under Oath they're also a Christian metal I band say, mm -hmm. I, I, I um, almost I almost played Under Oath instead of Haste the Day but they're I kind of wish you would have very, <laughs> very similar I I'm a local to, to Haste the Day I saw them like play in churches when there were like 20 of us you know so like I'm just biased but oh, Under Oath is pretty kick-ass, honestly. They are. They're they're badass. But I find that there's a bit of cognitive dissonance with some of it, um, because the the like Stella was saying, the emotions conveyed in the music are like anger and hate. And if you're if you're claiming to be servants of Christ, is that really the message that even if your words are saying something else, like the emotions are anger and hate, and I mean, I've I've spewed plenty of anger and hate through my own music. Don't get me wrong. And that's like that's a processing for me. It's an expression of whatever I'm going through and stuff like that. So I'm not trying to hate on that. But I I did find, um, especially with the more overtly Christian bands, there was a bit of dissonance between like their nominal message and maybe what their music itself was actually conveying. Well, having um, some heavy Christian music is nothing particularly new because I do remember um, oh, a few decades ago now, um, particularly in the Pentecostal evangelical sort of circuit, obviously, where they're having their Jesus concerts, um, there was a band called the Res Band who um, were, they actually toured out to Australia. I believe they were American. Um, and I was, I was pretty happy about them because... I sort of related to it a lot better. I, I sort of see this stuff as maybe a gateway, if you will, for people who are kind of in the world and thinking about, like particularly younger people, in the world and sort of searching around a little bit. You know, I mean, they in the old days, if, if all they had was the the Anglicans, you know, us in love, blah, blah. I mean, who's going to, that's not going to bring in many people, you know what I mean? So I don't know, that shit, that shit slaps. <laughs> you could get a you could get a beat going behind that. I'm sure that somebody could do that, but um, yeah. So you know, dry as dry as a Mormon wedding sort of thing. So 
um, you got to bring bring people in in different ways, I guess. And you know, I suppose the lyrics can be kind of hopeful in front of all that anger. But I mean, there is anger in the world, and that that is part of relating to people. Even back then, you know, there's always been anger in the world, um, particularly as society in an air air comments um, progresses. Um, it goes backwards. <laughs> so there's a lot of anger, and and I just think it's just a way of um, I don't know. Being the fisher of men, so to speak, um, things can always evolve and change. I mean, John Michael Talbot, he's 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 a very he's the opposite of angry. He's he's a basically a monk sort of thing. It just plays this beautiful, beautiful music, and it's all very scriptural. Um, and that's the sort of thing maybe you can sort of get to eventually. I did. <laughs> it's not like I listen to him all the time, but it's like you you can learn to appreciate the other side of it. But I think yeah, the fisher of men thing. I think that's sort of the purpose of it all. And I would also uh, throw in that maybe now I think it's iffy on in uh, Oliver Anthony's case, but in normally maybe it is very normal for people to write those kinds of songs. I think in this kind of environment, though, that is when asking the question is important of why is this song being allowed to trend, even if it was totally organic from Oliver Anthony, which I think seems a little iffy at this point, but even if it was, it was allowed to go viral. So then even if it wasn't meant to be a demoralization agent or song or, you know, what have you, maybe it's being used in that way. I don't know, just a food for thought, because as Drizzle was saying, and um, Owen Benjamin will later say that these types of songs, it's all, it is almost like a spell of like of helplessness. So this is my point. Um, like I almost see two sides here where um, these songs are expressing an emotion that is very relatable and um, it's not necessarily a positive emotion. Like, is it a demoralization campaign? Like was, you know, in some ways was the emo trend like a reflection of a a feeling of demoralization, mm. right? The screamo genre, or was it a pressure release valve for pent up emotions that so many of us felt, but didn't know how to express, you know, I, I remember going to Christian camp, right. And we had our like teenage, like camp counselor who was our cabin dad, right? It's a bunch of us like 12 year olds. And he's like 16. And he would wake us up at whatever time, you know, 7 a.m. every morning by playing Under Oath at full volume. And he he would say he's, you know, his argument, which I think maybe could be valid. And I think connects to sort of uh, Alex Jones's whole vibe is that they are so passionate about their faith that they have no choice but to scream, right? Like, I I would challenge anybody to say that Alex Jones is a liar, right? I think he's been wrong at times, but that he believes what he says when he says it. I don't think he's a liar. Do I think he's perfect? I don't know. But, I, you know, what I'm thinking... Um, you know, and I'll, I'll open it up if anybody has comments at this point, but I thought I'd play 30 seconds of Under Oath and then go back to that Alex Jones clip because I think it'll sound very, very 
similar. Well, real quick before you yeah. do that, Mike, I yeah. just want to get this in real quick. Um, teenage angst is not something that was exclusive to your generation. You can trace no. a pattern yeah. of that all the way back to about the 1920s, 1930s, when Hollywood first introduced that archetype to the public. Because teenagers the, were not generally rebellious before that time. Yeah, that um, that's a good point because that was the other thought that I had is at the very least, some of that stuff was potentially done to shape culture and groups of people and particularly the most vulnerable um, and impressionable. So for example, uh, the whole Laurel Canyon and like the CIA connection with like the doors and the Grateful Dead and all that stuff. I believe that that was done to begin separating children from the values that their parents had. So that was the introduction of free love of drugs, of feminism, of all that stuff. So I think that, you know, it was it's everything this- that was against their parents values. Yeah. Which so is the hard. same thing that they did to my generation and the same thing that they did to your generation, Mike. Yeah. So it's hard so, to tell how far back that goes, but at for at the very least, it was definitely happening in the 60s uh, with the counterculture revolution. Well, then we had the um, the Ramones and the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Clash and, you know, it, it kept changing forms, but similar um, vibration at its core. Now, we have yet to introduce Phytophiliac. Welcome back. Good to see you. How you doing? What up, girl? Doing good. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hey, having Fido. me. Hey, Fido. How's it going? Um, we're doing good. Um, taking it day by day. Uh, things yeah. seem to be improving a little bit, but uh, there's still some major recovery going on, on on this end. But so far, so good. I can't complain. Well, we've, we've certainly been, you know, thinking about you, praying for you. Um, I appreciate that. Is everybody home? Everybody's home. Yeah. Good. Good. We're, uh, we'll do some follow-up stuff tomorrow. Just make sure everything's where it needs to be. But um, so far, so good. Well, it looks like Stella's having some technical difficulties. Hopefully she can get that worked out, but I am going to play, like I said, just a few seconds from under oath because, um, Drizzle was so disappointed that I didn't play them. That kid's not going to have a very long singing career. What was that, Driz? I said that kid's not going to have a very long singing career. Uh, Well, you know, that's the thing. It is such raw emotion, man. Like, I no, you can't. can't, You can't use your voice like that night after night for decades on end. He'll he'll blow out his vocal cords in inside of twenty years. 
you know, I've got a friend who actually still does it, um, like in a limited form. He's in kind of a like metal-ish band, and he'll scream like one out of every ten lines, kind of thing. But he uses something called uh, what is it like? Presenter's friend or like host's best friend. It's like a, a throat spray that like opens up your <laughs> larynx and it makes you more able to you know scream you know for me it's like after eight or ten cigarettes i get this like raspy i was gonna voice. say they used to just call it cigarettes cigarettes probably a nicotine based anesthetic by the sound of it <laughs> i mean like i said i just i think it's worth playing this alex jones clip one more time because for me it's the exact same energy oh we're silent here we go. Not pills, alcohol, because I can't handle the truth. And I know that's the issue. I can't handle how alive I am right now in the fight against these tyrants. And how hard I'm going to push to go after them because I'm so full of life and so full of resistance to these murdering pedophiles who want to get in the way of God's plan. And let me tell you, I've been taken up to the third heaven. I've been jacked into the big plan. I've seen it. I've seen it. I can't even compute all this. so fantastic. You've not seen nothing. You ain't heard nothing. You ain't spelled nothing like this. I don't have words to tell you. But I tell you, anybody tries to get in the way of the incredible plan the big guy's got for us, it's got me pissed, and I'm just begging to stay on the team, man. Just put me in the game, coach. Whatever you say, coach. I know I'm weak. I know I'm pathetic. Man, you're amazing. I'm so lucky you baby. What do I do, boss? What do I do? like a hunting dog, man. Just take me out of the house. Just turn me on them. Just tell me what I got to do. Tell me what. Tell me how I serve you. Tell me what I can do for you right now. I'm just saying, I fucking love that shit. I fucking love it. I love it. You know, like I've been listening to Under Oath. You know, I think it's Alex just... Jones is taking a lot of his vitamin B supplements. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on that shit. I think he, think he took, took the whole bloody alphabet. Um, <laughs> so this is very recent, I gather. Is it, Mike? I, you know, I think I'm not sure. The Alex Jones clip, I, yeah, I assume it's new. Yeah. And is it definitely not a deep fake? Like, are we agreeing? Oh, if that's a deep fake, it's that? the best one. It's the best one I've seen yet. Yeah, don't forget they're a long way ahead of what we think they are. <laughs> yeah, no, I but always that, bear that in mind. That to anyway. me, just that just feels like Alex Jones. Um, yeah, it does. You know, I guess my point is like, is it? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. But like, it's relatable. It's um, but is it victimizing? Is it a net negative in terms of the common narrative? Or you know, I guess the the alternative narrative. Um, I don't I know. It's if, called a passion for the Christ. It's passion, man. It's passion. But at the same time, you know, like we're warned against the passions. You know. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I think we were given human emotion for a reason. You know, I mean, like we weren't made monotone. So, you know, Jesus went off his dial in the in the temple, didn't he? When it was being used as a market. Well, that's. So, I tend to be, true. Jesus I, did do that in the temple, but that wasn't his default. It seems like these days, exactly that whole screaming uh, version of Alex Jones, that's his default. And a lot of people are turned off by that. I, nobody wants to be screamed at. Nobody wants to be yelled at. And I know I certainly don't. And if he has something important to say, if he can't say it in a rational and calm manner, I don't honestly don't want to hear what he has to say. And I think that Alex Jones has been allowed He's another one of those that's been allowed to do and say the things that he does. Yes. Because he fits a purpose for the 
for the elites. You know, they're they're allowing all of this to happen, just like they're allowing Oliver Anthony's stuff to go viral. It's it's being allowed, and because they know that he can uh, trigger emotion in people when he does when he starts screaming and yelling and and carrying yeah. on the way he does. He does. You know, he screams. That, he does. It's that emotional manipulation. And Thank you, Fida. I didn't want to have to be the one to say it. Alex Jones has become his own worst enemy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's also an agenda at the moment. There certainly is in Australia, um, and I see it everywhere. Is to make you know people like us, critical thinkers, out to be complete psychos. So he's sort of lending himself to that agenda, and. Um, it, it is also very much what Fido just sort of touched on there is about what they don't say. Like they're allowed to say this, but they can't say that. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of them around um, for, you know, obvious reasons. People aren't just going to jump on the, the bandwagon, the hot bandwagon, because we don't want to get cancelled or what have you. But these continual people, they seem to s- step into very dangerous territory and you just wonder how the hell they're getting away with it. That's because they are. They're stepping into boundaries they're allowed to be, as long as they don't go into. I mean, this is I could reel off a whole, <laughs> a roll of them, but it, I probably wouldn't be very popular, so I'll stop there. I I think different forms of communicating, like different um, passion levels and stuff like that, that communicates to different people. You know, there's a place for that that overblown um sensationalism that that alex jones has but there's also a place for the more calm and collected arguments that are just the the arguments and and not sensationalized but i do think that yes alex jones has in many ways become his worst enemy because he sometimes overstates things like he he really often has the truth at the base of what he's saying but then he just over he says something that just pushes it a little too far like he he just like he'll 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 it's overstate something yeah. yeah and and he's he actually ends up saying something that's not quite true because yeah. he overstates what he has evidence for you know what i mean it it sort of reminds me of like malcolm x energy and like to malcolm x's credit um i don't know how many of you have read his biography um but he got really extreme and he was just railing against whitey right you know when he was in the midst of the nation of islam he was a hateful and passionate and um enthusiastic man you know he had charisma and then he started to realize that like that wasn't quite right you know even though he was right about some stuff he was not right about the general message. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've got one more clip here, and this is Joe Rogan talking about Alex Jones being kind of his own worst enemy. Um, and I'm not saying again that you know Joe Rogan is correct all the time, but you know I'm starting to like. I feel like we have to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, while at the same time taking them with a grain of salt. Right, it doesn't have to be one or the other, in my opinion. Uh, here, let's play this. Speaking of like conspiracy shit, man, you had Alex Jones on the show. Well, what was that like, bro? Because I, you know, that dude, I, 
I feel for that guy because he got all his platforms just stripped from him, you know, for just trying to, you know, give an opinion or say whatever he was saying. Well, it, the real outrage was the, the Sandy Hook stuff. And he, uh, you know, he since apologized for that. Yeah. Most people don't think that that's enough. Yeah. They think, you know, that he, he owes them more. But, you know, he had an explanation for it. And I don't know if you'd buy it. That explanation was that he was experiencing a form of psychosis. Right. Because he sees so much bullshit. Right. So much propaganda every day. I, I, I heard about him saying I think that. that's him trying to express how he really feels. Right. I think that's that's exactly how he felt. I think what he did was a terrible error. Yeah, horrible. And for sure. I, sure, I think I think he does too. I think he thinks that too. Yeah, you know, because he, I, I think when you're in that world, you sort yeah, of man, everything everything's a lie to him. I mean, yeah. it's like he sees so many different lies, and you know, he pulls them up and he shows them to you. He shows you crazy shit. Like there was one of the ones. What one of them he was talking about. Um, if they had the ability to abort a, a, a gay fetus, that some scientist was trying to figure out whether or not you could tell if a fetus is going to be gay if you could abort crazy. it. I was like, is that <laughs> real? It's, yeah. It turns, turns out it was real. It, was it real. turns out that it's real because he he's right about things, man. Yeah. I've known the guy forever, and he's he's absolutely a madman. You didn't you didn't talk but, to him for a minute. Right? I mean, yeah. he, he exposed a lot of things. Yeah, you know that that a lot of people were like, oh, no fucking. And then he yeah. he actually showed it, and I hate what that he's connected to that Sandy Hook thing. I hate it as yeah. a friend of his. I hate it. It's as unfortunate. A, what what I'd like out of him, I, mean, I don't expect. It's it's hard for people to understand uh, most people's friendships, but when you've been friends with a guy for like twenty years, and I get him on a podcast, you could see why we have fun. Yeah. Like me and him and Eddie Bravo, we have fun together. Yeah. I'm like, I want everybody to know, like, there's this guy too. I know you're mad at him for other things, but this this is a guy too. He's not a bad guy. He's not he's not a bad guy. It's just he did a he fucked up. All right. I so. do not believe that Joe Rogan was high when that was being filmed. No, actually, it seemed like they were bogarting the the blunt, actually. I, I thought the same thing when I was watching it. I actually saw Joe Rogan kind of eyeballing the blunt, being like, yo, who's going to pass it to me? <laughs> I thought he looked high. Like It was weird seeing him in the different context from his podcast. He wasn't mm -hmm. all like flexed up sitting at his table. He was kind of draped over the limousine seat, mm -hmm. and that was very different. But like he seemed kind of fidgety, like like something like maybe he had a body high more than you know, like I don't know. I, I thought I think he was he, waiting to get high. I think he maybe that's it. Maybe that's why he, he was wasn't fidgety. Yeah. <laughs> I felt but, like none know, of that. I felt like none of that was authentic. That felt like a total acted out scene to me. Yeah, and that's, and, that's and exactly you, how it came off to me as well. Yeah, um, you got to love how just you know a camera in the car has multiple camera angles. I mean, hello. Who does that? That's a freaking setup. Well, that technically, though, Stella, that is that is uh, B Real's shtick on his podcast. It's called, I believe, it? it's called okay. Hot Boxing. Yeah, where they they get in the car and they're just constantly smoking throughout the whole podcast, and they keep the windows up, right? So it's I think like, I think this was it's filled with oh, smoke like by we the used end to do with podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. a hot box. It's a hot box. I think this was like the first three minutes of like an hour long show. So. Again, I'm I'm saying let's like give the benefit of the doubt, but with a grain of salt. 
like <laughs> again, I think I think Joe Rogan. Th- this is just my take, but I think he's genuinely like an honest guy. Is he right about everything? Is he informed on everything? Does he at times like serve sort of the narrative without knowing it, like unwittingly? Sure. But like, I think he tends to be honest. I think Joe Rogan, or I'm sorry, Alex Jones tends to be honest, even when they're wrong. Um, What I'm getting at here is the fact that I'm grateful for this forum because this forum allows us to disagree on these exact type of issues. I don't know uh, necessarily if there's a more nuanced podcast. I have yet to find one, but it's like even even some of my favorites, right? Like uh, No Agenda. They love Oliver Anthony, like unquestioningly. You know, I think it's good that we question the the sort of force that is Oliver Anthony. Um, you know, I, I won't say it's one of my favorite podcasts, but I do listen to it pretty religiously. Tim Pool. You know, it's like, I think Tim Pool's wrong about a lot of shit. He's kind of dogmatic. And they fucking love Oliver Anthony, like, unquestioningly. Again, I'm just grateful that, like, we are the only podcast that I know of that's even questioning this shit. Well, it's interesting that you say that, Mike, because until I saw Owen Benjamin doing it, as Ashley pointed out earlier, I hadn't really seen anybody else being critical of the song of the uh, songwriter uh, of, of the viral marketing campaign, like really of, of any of any aspect of the phenomenon that we call Richmond North of Richmond. Um, But the one thing that I will say is the, the deconstruction of the lyrics that I did on it, I still haven't received any negative feedback from that, like zero blowback. And I don't think I was exactly kind in, in my breakdown. I think I was, I was rather harsh in some instances, but the response has been overwhelmingly positive. It like, I can't, I can't explain it. That's really interesting. I I loved it. I thought it was great. I didn't know what to expect when I went in. I'm thinking, oh, here we go, you know. <laughs> and then I came out just going, I love this guy. But and, and I also came out scared because I don't want you to ever break down any of my songs, please. <laughs> <laughs> Scary guy. <laughs> no, seriously, it was really that's good. That's the great thing yeah. about doing instrumentals. You can't break down a song that's instrumental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beethoven had something going on there. <laughs> I love the Oliver Anthony song and it stirred something in me. Like it really did. And um there's uh it's weird though because it's been stuck in my head for like the last couple of weeks it's just always kind of there those and it's always the opening lines and one of those lines i've been selling my soul and i'm like what is that you know that is kind of weird you know and uh so that makes me wonder but i mean at the same time overall i love the message of the song drizzle i'm sorry i didn't see or hear your breakdown of it i don't know you you just made like my whole point okay with what you just said so thank you (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm going to jump forward in in the defense in songwriting shoes again um and just say well the selling selling the soul i mean that's sort of 
I mean, that is like you're selling your soul to the man by being a slave. So that's sort of how I kind of take it. And I think that sort of was the intention. And I can't quite remember what you said about that line. But um, I mean, there's the selling your soul as in like a spiritual influential thing, of course. But um, I just, my question is to you guys uh, that I want to put forward is, did you think the same things about songs like this prior to 2020 or prior to whatever the last event that triggered you, did you think about this the same way, these kind of songs the same way, or is it just now that you're kind of breaking them down in a really dissected, critical kind of now context way, if you understand the question? I think for me, it's only been probably in the last three years that I've been sensitive to the concept of emotional manipulation in the news and media and entertainment and all of that stuff, um, movies, everything. There's an hey, Fido, Fido, we could use we could use just a hair more volume from you. Oh, yeah, if possible. How about now? Can you hear me better now? Good. Um, I've been more attuned to the emotional manipulation aspect of all forms of entertainment. Um, media, news, that sort of thing, just in the last three years. Um, I, and, and I, that whole part of the song where he says he's, he's, he's selling his soul basically to the man. I, I felt that, you know, in, in 2021, when I was working two jobs and it wasn't because I had to, it was because I felt that I needed to, because the COVID thing was taken off and, I was just, I felt like the entire, all of the joy was being sucked out of my life. It was a soul sucking thing. And I was doing it because I wanted to, because I wanted to help. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be a helper. And it was just every single day, it was sucking more joy out of my life. And that was part of the reason why I got into making music was because I needed to put back joy into the world that was being sucked out of me. And and I think it helped. And I end, ended up quitting the part-time job and just sticking with my full-time job. And and the the amount of relief that I felt just in quitting that part-time job was just immense. And I think that with a lot of the um, the the stuff that they tell us is going on, it's mostly emotional manipulation. It, it really is if you think about it and anytime you're watching the news or you're watching something that triggers an emotion in you whether you're gonna you're about to cry or something that really pisses you off that's the point <laughs> I think Drizzle and I had this conversation before and I was like we were talking about something that just really really pissed me off something that I saw on the news and he's like that was the point that was the whole reason that they put that yeah. on the news was to trigger you yeah. Yeah. into yeah. that Emotions yeah. are the heart of propaganda. Well, yeah, and right. to tie it to tie it right back to Oliver Anthony, what has been a, a better sorting device the past couple of weeks? Maybe, maybe the uh, what do they call it? The mugshot. Maybe that'll be the new sorting device now. But for the past couple of weeks, it's it's been the song. Just something to divide people. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Another brick in and, the wall. Um. I'm sorry. Are you done, Stella? I didn't want to interrupt. I am, mate. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. You go. I just, I just wanted to say to, to uh, get back to Alex Jones a little bit. I 
I feel like he is, you know, like we've kind of touched on a little bit, he's allowed to do what he does. And he also is showing the example, right? So he's the one that's warning well, about, we should be, we should be fair. He got sued for close to a billion dollars. Well, I, I'm actually going to touch on that. Okay. Right. Okay. Go ahead. So, uh, so yeah, he was the one that was warning you about it. And he happens to be the first one that they're, that what they're going to do to you is done to him. Meaning he was a harbinger of censorship. And I think that it, it did put it on the map, but I think more than anything, even if we don't want it to be that way, it was, well, Estella said a brick in the wall, a brick in the path of getting you to for censorship to be normalized because it is now like people are like, Oh, this, my video got taken off of YouTube and it is no big deal. So I feel like that's, that is one part of it. And then the other part of it with Sandy hook and what he said and asking questions and then being sued for a billion dollars is an example for the plebs of like, this is what is going to happen to you. If you, if you have wrong thought and wrong speak and do I believe that he is actually going to be suffering the consequences of being sued for that much money? I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know if he's in on it in that way, but I think it's at least something to consider. I agree 100 million percent. And um, I don't think for a second that he's going to pay a cent of $1 billion fine. That was just an act as exactly as you said, it was like, here you go, people. This is what can happen to you if you think critically and ask questions. Got it? Well, well I so I guess so. I would I would ask at this point, like, is Alex Jones a useful idiot? Is Oliver Anthony a useful idiot? You know, I don't mean to be insulting here, but are we at times useful idiots? Like when we that. when we contribute to certain even the counter narrative, is the counter narrative really the counter narrative? I mean so yeah, again, I'm I'm saying this because I'm so grateful that we actually take the time and care to ask these fucking questions. Because I don't know, I don't fucking know. I think well, we're I've... just part of the hive, just keeping the wings buzzing. You know what I mean? That's kind of sad to think. I, I'd rather be. <laughs> I, I don't want to be an ant or a bee. I want to be. Uh, I don't know, like something. I'm a speaking little... their language, not not what yeah. I think. Fair, you know, fair. Okay. I've definitely been the useful idiot, you know. I've I've mm -hmm. reposted something without doing my research, and then it turns out to be just some bullshit. And then I'm like, oh man, they got me. <laughs> you I know, think we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. I have, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, I think. But yeah, I would really like for people to remember what I would hope that people would remember the most about the whole thing with Alex Jones and the Sandy Hook trial and all of that stuff. Um, that when they sued him. What I would really hope that people understand is Alex Jones got in trouble for things that other people did. It wasn't what he was saying. It was other people took what he said too far. And instead of doing their own research and understanding that actions have consequences, he got blamed for other people's actions. That was the gist of it. So it was more than just a warning that censorship is a thing and it's more than just normalizing censorship it was so much that like if you 
if you act on the words of other people, even if you think that they're correct, that that is the warning. That is the mm-hmm. that is the the thing that you should be aware of. That that you you are in danger of um, committing a quote unquote crime if you act on the actions of someone else. Yeah, and what phytophiliac is describing right there is a behavioral conditioning technique that if you went to a public school in the United States in the last hundred years, you were also subjected to for, was that 12, 13 years of your life where the, the entire class would get in trouble if the, the perpetrator of whatever the thing was didn't out themselves. That's that's behavioral conditioning. The last year that my son was in public school, that's every, that was almost every day. He said they didn't go to ha- they the whole class was punished. They couldn't have recess because two kids in the class were acting out and causing problems for the whole class. And so it's basically conditioning Jeez. people to be uh, narcs. Yeah, man. They're actually training kids to be narcs on other kids. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you tell if you tell on the other kid that they're doing something wrong or they're not following the rules or they're not doing what they're supposed to do. You won't, I mean, you'll still get punished, but um, they'll get punished too. And so they're kind of, it's, it's a really weird warped sense of punishment that they're instilling in these kids. Yeah. It's also why snitches are uh, the most endangered species in prison. (laughs) It's, it's the same type of concept. So this this uh, takes me back to my English class that I had in high school. I had a very interesting teacher who liked to give us some immersive um, experiences for the books that we were reading. And when we read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, um, he played Nurse Ratched, and we had therapy all class, every class, the whole time that we were reading this book. And it was all about snitching on each other and and telling about like what the other people were doing wrong and all this and it was what it was like it was such a little hell that we went through reading this book (laughs) and it got so many people's uh it it got their feathers all rustled up because you know it was very emotional like it was it was uh it was high schoolers who were already having all these little like social anxieties and, and little betrayals and blah, blah, blah. And it just like, it brought all that out into the open. What what grade was this? It was, um, 11th or 12th. Still. Wow. It was, it was pretty. For my generation, they were still doing Lord of the flies. Hmm. They hadn't gone. Oh yeah. Flew over the cuckoo's nest yet. It was it was something doing class therapy every single class, and um, you would you would feel emotions about some of your best friends that you wouldn't like normally feel. It was it was freaking weird, and it was such a relief when it was over too. Like we all felt like we had like been through hell together, kind of thing. It's a very strange um, psychological thing that went on there, and I I want to say I think what you're describing is almost what we went through with COVID, right? Oh yeah. And it's all the like, other psyops. Yeah. 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 But, and, and they're trying to bring COVID back, right? Make COVID great again. 
Man, I make, wish it was aliens. Make, make COVID great again. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share something because like frankly, I'm gonna share this because I recorded this in a moment where I was being triggered. So I think it kind of hits on what we're getting at. And I'm not gonna say if I'm right or wrong in this video, but uh just just hear what I say and be honest with me. What's up, y'all? Did you hear the good news? COVID is back, baby. It's back. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have to lock down again. We're going to have to wear our masks on the airplanes again. All the fun stuff, y'all. All the fun stuff. Because it all worked so well last time. Right? It all worked so well. Those those jabby jabs, man. Oh, they did such a good job. Yo, I don't know anybody that got sick after getting the jabby jabs. Oh, wait a second. No, I think I think every motherfucker that got the jabs got sick. Meanwhile, me healthy as an ox for the last four years. But no, we got COVID 2024 coming. Just wait. Maybe they'll call it COVID 2023. You know, they're talking about it. It's back. It's back, baby. We're so back. We are so fucking back. Yep, COVID 2023, you know? Because COVID 19... You know, it's been a little too long. It's been a while. We miss our old friend. I mean, are y'all picking up on the on the bullshit yet? This is totally ridiculous. And honestly, if any of you are dumb enough to go get more shots, be my guest. Do it. I fucking dare you. If you really want one, I'm not going to try to talk you out of it this time. No, siree. That's your business. You get all the myocarditis you want. I'm, I'm going to keep on trying to make a goddamn living, which they're certainly not making any easier. You know, they. I guess they figured, you know, we didn't quite break them. We didn't quite break them. We need to do it again. You know, there's too many folks out there that think they can live free, and we got to teach them otherwise. Too many, too many Mustangs. We got to break these goddamn wild horses and give them their shots. Make them do what they're told. I mean, Jesus Christ, y'all. When the fuck are you going to wake up? Was that a scene from Hey Duke 2029? Could have been. <laughs> you know, I shared that not because it was my best moment. Like, if anything, I'm like, am I being a 
fucking useful or yeah, a useful idiot. Um, I, I, I don't want to be, you know, why did I record that to get an emotional reaction, right? What is that? That's propaganda. Mm-hmm. Like, are we any better? I don't know what we're doing here. You know, what are we doing? Talk to me, help me out. Well, the recording of it is fine. Uh, Cause I mean, that's, that's a way to, uh, essentially to, to do like a diary, right? Some people are, are talented with, with writing and they'll, they'll do it that way. They'll keep a log, a journal, or whatever you want to call it, just a record of the things that they observe in the world so that they can refer back to it at some point. My question isn't so much, why did you record it? My question would be, why did you publish it? I don't know. I'm a nuthead. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to yeah add to that is like, who were you directing it at? Because at this point, I feel like, you know, we are really sort of talking echo chamber stuff, you know, it's round and round to the same people and how many new new ears um, are actually going to hear that? Like, I don't know how much you get to Especially know. now. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's, we're so sort of like the fork in the road is in the rearview mirror. We're, we're really divided now and I don't know how many people are going to swim to the other side at this point. There'll be a few. But um, like, well, where, okay, where are I'm... you directing that to and who do you think saw it and... Did it make any difference, or is it the same people who just know that already? Like, well, maybe maybe it's just catharsis first and foremost. Right? Yeah, yeah. And what I what is like what is music? What is poetry? What is art? Yeah, you know, totally. Like, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not like I'm not proud to say, but like sometimes I record these and I just throw them out there to be like, fuck it, because why not? You know, I can say what I want first and foremost. And like you may as well do it while you still can. <laughs> mm-hmm, might as well. I haven't been blocked yet. Um, but I don't know. You know, I'm not saying it's changing nothing. Uh, but it's and, like, I, and I'm but, not. I'm not. I'm not criticizing it either. Just no, no, no. Like, but it's clear. it's the same. It's the same thing as screamo. You know, like it's expression. It's expression. It's you know, I write and I and I talk. Some people play music. Some people you know, whatever. But, um, my point is like, I can, I can kind of, again, give people credit where credits do while at the same time, not taking them as like the final truth, because I, I am not the final truth. None of us are. I'll say that, um, sorry, go ahead, Fido. I was just going to say that, um, when it comes to, uh, feelings like this and I mean I could I could feel the the emotion the, the frustration that you were having I, I completely understand it um, one of the most important things for maintaining your sanity is to get it out don't keep it inside don't bottle it up don't don't keep it to yourself you have to express it in one way some form or fashion preferably a constructive way uh, preferably a creative way if at all possible but if if not, just getting it out there. Uh, some people uh, will write it out in on a uh, in a journal, or some. For some people, that's enough. For others, they have to um, they 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 funnel that anxious energy into something else. But I don't I don't criticize you for posting something like that because I understand the frustration that you're feeling. Um, and uh, kudos to you for putting it out there. 
just getting it out there and just letting it go and not letting it consume you. So that's, that's all I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, like I mentioned earlier, music is a great um, processing tool. It's uh, like expressing yourself. And sometimes when you get it out there, you can see it in a different context. It's more third person. And it's like, oh, man, that's um, that's some ugly shit. I don't want that to be part of me anymore. But it takes getting it out there and having that like other representation that you can. It's sort of looking in a mirror and seeing it that um, makes you see that and realize that, OK, I can leave that behind now. But also, as far as my your post and I've been thinking like this with my podcast, um, I've found that there's people in my life who in my personal life who I never thought would learn that I had a podcast <laughs> and who have started listening to it or have listened to one or two episodes and had interesting responses like mm -hmm. um, maybe more positive than I would have thought even. Um, and also just like some, some of the people who got the jabs and did all like we're going with the program for at least two years, you know, and they're starting as things become more obvious, they're starting to see the light a little bit. And even if they're not fully where most of us are, they're starting to see at least there's uh, another side to the story. And so it's worth, it's worth still um, speaking the truth, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. You should say that bear actually, because as I was asking Mike, you know, who do you think will have heard that um, into my head just popped a little thought of, I wonder if any of his family might one day come across this, listen to it, and that might be just the thing when he least expects it, that something just speaks to them because it's off guard or they weren't really meant to hear it or find it, but then they did. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like, you just don't know who's going to listen or why. So if you feel like a gut instinct to do something, I, I feel you should probably follow it. And you, you never did. Know. So. You never know. I, you know, I just try to like, be honest, even though I know I might end up being wrong in some way or another. I don't know. But like, I don't know. Instagram, the funny thing is on this forum, like right now, not, I don't think any of y'all are on Instagram except for me. Um, and it's a weird I have forum. An account, but it, I've, I haven't been on it for a while. And I was actually thinking about restarting it back up again. It's on yeah. there. It's Phytophiliac 2021. I've almost shifted. I I've almost shifted like towards consuming more from Twitter X, whatever the fuck. Um, but like, yeah, Instagram, I got burnt out on it, but like it is a way where the funny thing is I get roughly maybe 80 or a hundred views on whatever I put out there. And it is to a large extent, people that I know on a personal, you know, face to face level. And, They've been watching what I put out there, right or wrong, you know, whatever. Um, I, I challenge people to think differently is what I try to do when I put that shit out. But yeah, that's our common goal, I think. Yeah, everybody's, yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to be Alex Jones and I don't want to be, you know, reactionary. I don't want to necessarily be a propagandist. I want to, I want to be a little bit more fair and balanced. Fuck, isn't that the Fox News thing? Anyways. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All well, right. I'm starting to think that you know, as a as a musician, it is are we at, are we now at the point where you know, if we want to be responsible um, for what goes out there, uh, do we need to really think a little bit differently about our music? Like, okay, for instance, I got a track given to me just I don't know a week ago by a dude that I do a bit of music with down in Sydney, and um, he sends me a track, and I I write the lyrics or what have you, and come up with a melody, and then send it back, and we sort of go to and from till we get a song. And, uh, excuse me, just recently I, um, I wrote some lyrics for it and got some feedback. And then afterwards I'm thinking, that's really kind of negative. Like maybe I should rewrite the lyrics in a more positive way. I just, I don't know, it was just sort of came into me, my being, I suppose, just this thought. And I'm just thinking now, you know, are we at a point where we need to be a little bit more mindful? I mean, there's plenty of songs where I'll just... I'll write something and then later on I'll just – I won't even remember writing that because I just – it just what whatever came out, you know, it seemed to work so it stayed. But do we you need know, to be a bit more responsible about what we're putting out at this point because of where we are at in the world? At the same time, the shit that slaps the hardest, right? Like, I mean, talk to me, Drizzle. Like, you know, I, you know Tyson James and, like, some of these mm-hmm. hardcore truth-like musicians, they don't hold back. Mm-hmm. They don't hold back, you know? Nah. No, Webby certainly doesn't hold back at all. Uh, he's he's my current reigning champion of hip hop. Um, and there's a few more. Uh, Bryson Gray is uh, he's very um, gifted uh, in the realm of parhesia. Um, it's out there. Uh, I would caution people at this point in our history especially since the repeal of Smith Munt back in 2014, which allowed the United States government to begin propagandizing its own population, made it legal, in other words, where previously, before 2014, it was illegal for the government to do that. They just said, no, nah, it's okay now. Um, Obama. Yeah. 2012. Was it 2012? I thought it was 2014. Anyway, I thought thought um, it was 14. I encourage everyone to take everything that they consume media wise with copious amounts of salt because the whole point of media in the first place is to implant your idea into somebody else's head. That is the point of media. The job of media is to capture attention so that that implantation can take place. So just be aware of that. Oh, and Mike, I just wanted to point out, um, you were talking about you wanted to be fair and balanced. And I said, and I was thinking in order to find balance, one must first be unbalanced. So there's that. I'm not sure I follow that. Well, I get what you're saying, Fido. You know, honestly, like, yeah, I, I, I can relate to Alex Jones because he's talking about how in that first clip I shared, the truth is too damn much, you know, it's too damn much. Yeah. um, I still see a narrative with him. Well, well, it's it's like, maybe, maybe the truth isn't too much, but, the lies and and finding the truth through the lies is too much you know drizzle talked about smith munt this here <laughs> this guy i found on youtube and um 
he's got this song about the Smith Munt Modern Modernization Act. In 2012, our Congress passed the bill that legalized propaganda. It's what you're watching on the evening news. If you didn't get the memorandum. First it was the Russians, and then it was Ukraine. When are we gonna see some justice, see some pain? You make them repeal. Make them repeal. You make them repeal Smith Month Modernization. What propaganda do to you? You might defend infanticide. They'll keep you pacified through endless wars with their legalized lies. You make them repeal. You make them repeal. You make them repeal Smith modernization. Not a bad song. We need to Not get a bad song. contract, Prando. We need like proper uh, audio in there and somebody who knows how to put music videos together. And uh, we can put a whole package together on that. That'd he's be got, awesome. He's got a handful of good tracks. Offer him now, a nice mic, like now, Anthony. I, I got to say, y'all, you're going to have to carry on without me for an unknown amount of time because Uh-oh. as happened with Stella, my dog just escaped. But this time I oh, know no. he's, he's right over there. So I got to go get him. All right, go. I'll be back. So I appreciate the sentiment of that song, but I also recognize that they were propagandizing us a long time, our entire lifetimes before that. They certainly were lying us into wars and all that. So I'm not sure what difference it made, except from maybe a loophole legal standpoint. Yeah, it made it legal. That that was the difference. I think maybe it was getting to the point where they couldn't deny it anymore and maybe charges actually would be forthcoming if they did if something didn't change and i think that that's one of the reasons that they went ahead and that obama went ahead and signed the 2012 act was to was to uh, alleviate any kind of legal burden on the media I, that's just my mm. opinion so if I could just really quickly go back to, I know Mike is not here to <clears throat> to discuss this, but I wanted to say, I thought that his question was important. Are we, you know, by what we're doing and participating in the truth and liberty space, are we contributing to it? Or for example, like Stella and I are on Not Your Mama's News, part of the Union and the Unknowns. And I brought a story, it was a, a ridiculous story about this trans woman who wanted her testicles back. Uh, from her boyfriend's house because she had them <laughs> after surgery. So it's supposed <laughs> to be a. <laughs> that was crazy. It's, it was. It's was supposed funny. to be a, a snapshot of the clown world that we live in. But, and Stella and I have talked about this before. What are we doing by bringing attention to this stuff? Like, yes, we do need to laugh. And that did make me laugh. So is it good in that way? Or, or yes, I'm bringing attention to like uh, something very foul. Is that, 
you know, a mark on me spiritually. I don't know. And I don't, I think maybe there's, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of ways to come at that, but I do at least like having people be thoughtful about what we're doing and at least looking for the truth in what we're doing and what we're seeing. But especially in this case, from the, are we contributing to it side of things? I think we're contributing to each other's processing of it. Just like having these actual interactions and, you know, hopefully maybe other people are listening and it helps them process the same kind of things. Um, I think with stuff like, the whole trans agenda and libs of TikTok and stuff, a lot of it is so psyopy as far as that agenda goes. I, I do feel like the more we concentrate on it, the more we fall into it. And it's important to not obsess over it. It's important to realize or keep in mind what's actually important and not um, just get caught into these trenches of degeneracy and and everything that's wrong but try to make things that are right too try to concentrate on the things that are right or or make something right in your own life these micro influences that are such a huge part of life particularly for the slightly younger generations um, a lot of them are controlled i mean they're put there for that reason is just to, I mean, it's all, it all contributes in every little tiny way, little, little fiber into the tapestry, um, is everybody keeping everyone focused on the black mirror, basically the phone, the, mm -hmm. the internet. Um, That's correct. what are we, what are we going without? You know, we're going without being still and hearing the voice of God. We're going without listening to the birds and, and listening to the water that is very soothing to our, our being as organic carbon based creatures in a human shape. Um, where it's everything they're trying to get rid of and now they're sort of down to the pointy end, which is getting rid of us. So in that sense, yes, mm. we are contributing. And I get, I get um, what's the word, convicted about this often, very often. I just want to put it all down, pull out the plug and fuck off the internet, basically. But um, it's very much harder to do than it is to stay. <laughs> and I'd miss yeah, you guys. It's, well, it's, it's also <laughs> going to be... I miss you too. <laughs> It's also oh, yeah. going to be much, much harder in the coming days, Stella, because I, I don't know like if everybody is aware of what we have been witnessing over the course of the last three years, but especially in the media space, we are seeing the construction of what the new paradigm is going to be. Like it's not going to be television and networks and radio and newspapers anymore. It is all media is going to be on the internet going forward. And like you were saying, Stella, this uh, 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 influencer culture that is being established right now, because uh, it's actually happening, folks, you can watch it in real time. Um, this is going to be the model going forward for distributing the programming. 100%. Like I started, I started figuring this out. Mm, maybe not quite 10 years ago when I was working for Verizon. And I remember speaking with one of our sales reps, um, like the, the higher uh, corporate executive uh, people. And he was talking about how they were looking to acquire media production companies. And I was like, what the hell is Verizon going after media production for? That doesn't make any sense. They don't own a television channel. 
And that was when I started putting two and two together and going, oh, so the telegoms are going to take over the media space. The networks are going to go away and everything's going to be on the Internet. Mm, yep. Yeah, and fully it's so much more controllable. I think that was the whole point to start with. You know, We've got to remember Edward Bernays, who, you know, mm-hmm. being the nephew of um, Sigmund Freud, uh, he wrote the book Propaganda in, in 1928. You know, I mean, the whole, the whole Obama doing it on America's citizens. I think that was just the public, um, public confession of yeah, okay, we're going to do it. But I mean, they, they'd already been doing it. <laughs> Look at Hollywood. Um, so yeah, it's nothing new. Um, fortunately, people are becoming more aware of it. But I think it's a little bit late because you know, people aren't serious until they get rid of their Netflix account. <laughs> Well, and the other thing to add on to that, I do believe it, that's exactly right. And <clears throat> your the new news, alt news paradigm has emerged, but the alt news is actually the allowable news, right? Why is Tim Pool allowed on YouTube when anybody else who was asking and saying some of the things that he was saying were kicked off and had they were totally demonetized and yet they're killing it on YouTube. They're allowed mm-hmm. to trend and be this popular on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And we still need um, gatekeepers. Exactly. exactly. Like they're, Tim, they're singing they're singing Oliver Anthony's praises. Yeah. And Tim Pool is saying that you should have to have a digital ID to get on the internet. And that was mm-hmm. slipped in so subtly. He said that? Yep. Yes. Yes. yes he did. I, I, yeah. I sent Drizzle um and, and the group the link of him saying that and it was so subtle it was really well done yep um and so i do believe and owen benjamin ball i hate yeah, him so much and owen <laughs> benjamin had- annoying but yeah he's annoying and slimy in my opinion he's so, real yeah. slime. if you ever get a chance to start a conversation with adam kriegler about tim pole i recommend you do it <laughs> but this is what i mean by all the- you need to know this is what I mean by the Pied Pipers. It's like they've got such a huge following and everyone trusts them. Um, oh, yeah, no, Tim, he's cool. Anything he says, basically. So these little subtle things that come out just go straight over people's heads, even though they still go through into the ears and into the brain. They don't think about it because they just have this automatic cloak of trust. And this is where the Pied Pipers are going to take these followers and end up off a cliff. And, and, yeah, that, is, and- that is actually an intelligence technique. Yeah. yeah, and right. I had I had wondered about C, uh, maybe a CIA connection for Tim Pool. Um, we could talk about that later, the whole Eliza Blue thing. But um, mm-hmm. what I was going to say is that uh, Owen Benjamin had pointed this out too fairly recently, and I know that Stella has been questioning, like when ever even the the liberty minded people were loving Russell Brand, she was like, no. Um, but it finally it all of that clicked for me when you have the Temple Tucker Joe Rogan pipeline. What these are the like the triumvirate of the alt news. So they're talking about these kind of same subjects, and they are acting as gatekeepers, and they are the allowable opinion now. But a lot of what they're saying is is exactly what the predator class is trying to impose funnily enough a lot of them link up too because you start seeing this one's now being interviewed by that one and you know all of a sudden these separate people are starting to link up and it's like it's yeah, ha- happening here in australia too 
There's a lot of truth being said there, but it's like last year's truth. Exactly. It's like it's safe to bring it out. And and it's okay if everyone knows last year's truth as long as they don't know what the next thing on the agenda is. Yeah, which sounds a lot like narrative management, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is a shame because, like, I mean, I've listened to a lot of Joe Rogan, not as much since he got put in his Spotify corner. But um, he seems like an honest guy. And I think that's true for a lot of these guys. I think they're they they have honest intentions, but they're easily mm -hmm. manipulated and controlled. And and maybe they just they they have a capacity for denial that's um, a little more than is healthy. They have handlers. Most of these people. They yeah. are steered like I mean they're just managed, you know. They're not doing all this off the top of their head. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Rogan's handler is Mike Baker. I don't <laughs> know why else he would have him on the show. Who's Mike Baker? But does Mike Baker he's, actually he's the next CIA guy that goes on Rogan about every four to six months? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean they're always <laughs> I mean, very the... often. You'd have to be living under a rock to not know that the CIA basically controls the world. You know, they control everything. The narrative, not controls the world, but the Actually, narrative. they don't, though. They don't, though. That's the thing. The is, narrative? It, no, I'm... So, yes, CIA is responsible. They're an information clearinghouse, essentially, is what they are. Uh, but that's that's the interesting thing, is everybody puts a lot of emphasis on the CIA being in control of all these uh, different things, where... They really the only things that they control are information, uh, drug trafficking, uh, gun running, and, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, like, it's literally they're they're you find you find a lot of these to to funnel all these things to the people that want them and make a bunch of money in the process, and that's literally all the CIA does. I guess yeah, you, you could call them the oil in the machine. Like without Sometimes them, it they wouldn't do happen. Assassinations, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but so many of these events, you know, eventually if you if you do look, sometimes, you know, back in history or what have you, it's always the CIA is in in the foundation, you know. It's like it always, well, it's but, but they, they are a they tool. put their fingers in everything because they, yeah. again, the, the, it's the information is the important thing. They want exactly. to get the information before anybody else does. Yes, Central Intelligence Agency. Yes, of course. Correct, because, well, the the, the CIA, MI6, Mossad, I don't know what it is uh, down ASIO. in Australia. ASIO. ASIO. All of these networks, and that's what they are, they're networks, they evolved out of the old intelligence networks of the British aristocracy back in the 18th and 19th centuries. Yep. Like, it's it's still all the exact same people all the exact same uh yeah. families doing the exact same fucking things they just call it something different now exactly yep and i mean it's all the, the five eyes are not the only communication sharing group there's stacks of you know echelon type groups all over the place oh, fucking stacks lots and lots upon and lots stacks it's yep. ridiculous there's what is it all there's the 18 18 separate intelligence agencies in the united states federal government alone yeah, <laughs> they're the ones you know about. <laughs> mm. I'm sorry, did I derail the conversation? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I hopefully Mike's going to get his dog back. Um, but yeah, I mean it's all engineering. Look, you know, if you take it back to the Tavistocks and all that, it's it's all engineering. Mm -hmm. It's all you know, it's all just they're all in bed together. They're all holding hands. You're using the same tools. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's kind of the thing is it seems like the more time that goes by, the the more information that is now being more widely disseminated where, you know, obviously back in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, you know, the the average American citizen, you say Tavistock Institute to them and they're like, oh, it's political something or I don't know, whatever. Mm. Bunch um, of old blokes. Right. Where now there does seem to be a little bit more of a growing awareness of the fact that these small groups of people have had very large amounts of influence over the lives of pretty much everybody else on the planet for For generations for a long, long time. Um, And I'm just I'm curious that, you know, once we get to the point where that's a more widely accepted idea. Like what, what does our species do with that? Like, how do we resolve that? Cause I, I don't see that we can continue under those circumstances and, and still be, you know, like productive and continue to advance. Yeah. Well, we gotta, we gotta resolve question. it somehow. That is the question. I mean, what do we do? What do we do next? How do we, we all, well, not all, but we're quite aware of this. We've, we've made it, you know, a lot more people have woken up, but where do we go from here? We're just watching, you know, we're watching these useless solar panels and bloody wind turbines being put in. We're watching the trees being taken down so they can be put in, so they can, you know, all these intentions. We know that they're not what they are really about, but what what can we do? I mean, we can not comply by wearing a mask, but that's not going to save the whales from the wind turbines, you know what I mean? I've been seeing everything that they do as an unsustainable business model. Like it is even the Amazon products that I buy are shit. Now, like I returned Mm. two or three pairs of earbuds because they didn't work. And it's like everything. Same with the solar panels and the windmills. And it's all just so unsustainable. Like everything they're doing is so unsustainable. It's just going to crash and burn somehow. Like, I can't see it working, you know. And I, I, I have a, I have a I question for the whole they, group. They know that a little bit, but because because something you just said, uh, Bear Snare, uh, kind of sparked something in my brain, uh, and I'd like to ask this of everybody because I think that it's a pretty good geographical sampling. The quality of produce that you have been seeing at the supermarket lately is it as good as usual better or worse it's a crap load more expensive well i didn't ask about more expensive i'm I'm talking about like the the actual like i would uh, say worse but i'm growing my own so fucking awesome so you're talking like packet foods and things like that drizzle yeah yeah just like the the produce like the you know cucumbers uh, the lettuce lettuce the cucumbers the tomatoes all that stuff Organic salad mix. Yeah. I can't say I've really noticed much difference, to be really honest. Yeah. I still feel like there, I mean, there, there may be the odd one that isn't that great, but overall I feel like it's, it's still looking pretty good so far. Yeah. I don't, I don't really look at the produce cause I get what I need from clients. <laughs> you know, I'm the gar- I'm the gardener with no garden of my own, but I've got 20 gardens I can pick from. Um, but I just hate I actually really hate going to the grocery store like at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's all correct. Also, I'll 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 let you know the dog is officially back. Thank you. He's good. He, yeah, he's a little stinker, but he's back. <laughs> he came back, and I know. said, "And I said, good boy. I'm not going to beat him up for coming home." Oh no, no, they don't yeah. know. Yeah, I've, I've been going to the farmers markets more recently, and if I'm being honest, sometimes their quality is below what the local chain would be. But I just hate going to the chain where they've got their like robo security bots and shit. Like it's uh I'd rather just go to the farmer's market. And even though they're just distributors as well, like at least they're not under a big brand. And I kind of appreciate that. What about you, Drizzle? Have you noticed a difference? Well, that was why I was asking uh, because Bear Snare had said that he had noticed the, uh, the quality of the products he was ordering from Amazon had gone down. And I had noticed that uh, one of the, fresh vegetable products that I go to a local supermarket for, as opposed to just a local market. Uh, I have seen a decline in quality in that uh, one particular vegetable product over the course of, I would say probably the last six months. I don't know if it's that they're picking them too soon or they're like missing, you know, parts of the field with something. I, I I don't know exactly what to attribute it to, but it it does seem like it's gone down. Yeah, sometimes, um, I mean, we do eat very unnaturally because we can seem to get everything, even though we should be eating just in season, like if we wanted to be really in unity with our being, our carbon being. But um, so sometimes, yeah, I mean, you might get avocados, for instance. There's a time of year where we just don't bother buying them because – we know pretty much they're going to be black inside or what have you because they're just not in season. So um, there's always that sort of variation because if something's not in season in your own country or what wherever it's usually grown, then they'll source it from some other place. So there's going to be a huge variation there. So it's very hard to pinpoint. But um, I think um, just getting back to the consumerism thing, I think that is going to be – I mean, we have to vote with our hip pocket, don't we? That is the only thing that is going to – we've got to fight fire with fire. They want to make money. The, the money is sort of ours, really. We're giving it to them. So we've got to decide more about what we spend our money on. And this consumerism crap that we've been propagandized and brainwashed into thinking that we have to live this way, oh, we'll just, we'll just get another one. Don't worry about fixing it. It's cheaper to buy a new one. Um, shoe cobblers are hard to find these days. I always get my shoes repaired. Mm-hmm. It might cost more, but I, I just like to do that um, to a point. <laughs> but, you know, that sort of thinking is kind of um, endangered. So we have to think about buying less, not being so lost in convenience. I mean, we have this discussion fairly regularly, but it, it is true. The convenience factor is the killer. Consumerism is the killer because, for instance, let me just give you one example I was, I've just been looking into these wind turbines versus whales and beachings because there's been a lot of beachings going on. We've had a couple here in Australia recently too. And there, there's a correlation going on, even though the government and the powers that shouldn't be are all saying, no, 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 there's no evidence. It's like there freaking is. Um, so there's this documentary actually that I've only just found recently, Thrown to the Wind. I haven't seen it yet, but it's made by a guy called Michael Schellenberger. Um. Anyway, he, basically, they're just saying that, yes, these things are having an effect. So then I was reading about some beach, um, beached whales that were happening around New Jersey, New York area, 
Um, there's been quite a few. And then I was reading about, like, they seem to be blaming it a lot on ship strikes and stuff. But, you know, when you're getting 50 or so, I mean, yeah, they might be following them. But here's the point. right? So there's all this increase in consumerism. So, therefore, 2016... Um, in that area, the ships were generally like the container ships was around about 99. And I don't know what that, I think they might've meant. I don't know if that's per month, per week, per year, whatever the figure is, it was 99. Okay. And then up to 2021, that same figure became 550. And a lot of that was spurred on. So 99 ships to 550 and much bigger ships as well, um, because they raised some bridge and they also deepened the channel to allow more ships to come in. And a lot of that was spurred on by the pandemic because everyone became full-on online shoppers and suddenly, you know, they're sitting back a bit bored and they're buying all these things they don't need, um, you know, taking up new hobbies that they're probably never going to actually do when they get the stuff. You know, it's just this consumerism, consumerism, and we need to change our minds about that. I think that's probably going to be our greatest weapon is hitting them in the hip pocket. So I don't know how many of you watched this that Walt shared, but it's so perfect for what you're saying here, Stella. Um, this is the man with no identification. Oh, hold up. Infection. <laughs> so when you go to your parents, do you love the conveniences? Because they have electricity and everything, right? Yeah. Uh, is, it, is there a temptation in that? No, I don't really... Like, I enjoy being there and enjoy, you know, hanging out with my parents. But as far as the electricity or whatever, I don't really miss it. I guess the, probably the only thing that I miss is, uh, like, living without electricity is a refrigerator. A refrigerator is just so handy. <laughs> but I, I can put stuff in the creek and it'll keep overnight. Like, if I have beans left over or something, I can put them in a pot in the creek and they'll, they'll stay good overnight. Of course, during the, during the winter time, I've got a room in the back that I, I keep. Uh, uh, I just keep the door shut so the heat doesn't go in there, and that's basically like a refrigerator during the yep. winter time. No GMO, no herbicides, no pesticides, all organic. No Monsanto out here. No Monsanto, not for me. I do. There are neighbors that are a few miles away that have Roundup Ready corn and soybeans. From what I've heard, they have developed a seed and they put a, they spliced a gene into it to where it terminates. So it's just good for one season. Why? So you have to buy more or how mm -hmm. does that work? Yeah. So you're dependent upon them. If you plant this stuff out in your, in your soil, if you were to spray it with Roundup, it'd kill it. But that the Monsanto seed, they've got corn and soybeans that are Roundup ready. So you can plant them in your field and then you can spray a herbicide and that kills all the weeds, but it won't hurt your corn. So that's just easier to farm. Mm -hmm. Then with your garden, you have to pull the weeds or what? Yeah, pull weeds or hoe them or uh, like that cultivator that the horses pull. You take that through your, through your rows and it kills the weeds when they're really small. Kind of a peaceful sound. It is. I like it. It's sort of therapeutic. Huh? Yeah, it's it like, is. It's like raking sand or. Your dog's coming too. Yeah, the old one there, Spartacus. He may not. 
he's kind of slow and getting old. He may not go a whole way, but Sadie there, she'll run along. That's nice. Nice little breeze. Yeah, huh? it feels good. How good does that feel? It feels good. And do the horses like doing this, do you think? They like working. You know, there's times when we may feel like just laying in bed all day or, you know, like not doing anything. But once you accomplish some useful work, there's a sense of satisfaction that you think, right. wow, a job well done, you know. I think it's the same way with the horse. They plow that field there and we plant corn and then later they get to eat it when the snow flies. Or it's hot and sweaty and they're mowing hay. That's hard work, but when right. the snow flies, they've got something yummy to munch on in the, in the barn. Do you have a girlfriend? No, I'm single. Do you want a girlfriend? I do. Yeah. You do? It's going to have to be the right woman that's going to love this lifestyle, right? I mean, definitely. Because you're not moving to Atlanta, are you? No, no. I just, I don't, I don't like being in cities. Like there's been times when God told me to go preach in a city and I've, I've gone for that. But as soon as I can get out of there, I'm out. He likes you, hot Titus. Yeah. Beautiful countryside out it here. Is. It is. So do you feel like you're missing out on anything right now? Living no. out here. Is there any like one little thing that you're like, ah? Uh, no, I feel like the people that are in the city are definitely missing out. They're missing out on the peace and the fresh air here. I mean, it does look like a romantic lifestyle in the sense that you're living very simply and you're connected with nature. But to do it, most people can't hack it out. I wouldn't be able to hack it out. I mean, if I had to, I would. I could. But it's, you got to work. Yeah, but you have to work either way. Because if you have all the modern conveniences, then you have to work. Most people have to work a set amount of hours to be able to make sure they have enough money to pay all their bills. Yeah. And they're working that most of the time away from home. Or they're at a at a desk like this and then later they're getting back problems, you know. So like I'm you're going to work either way, but I'm going to work at home. You know, yeah, it takes me longer to wash my laundry or it takes me longer to wash my dishes or you know, it takes me longer to do some of the things that need to be done, but I'm working at home in a peaceful environment where I want to be. You want to raise kids? Selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. I mean, you know what I'm saying here? Right? Like this guy, this guy has it figured, you know? <laughs> fuck it. Let's just, seriously, man. Fuck the cities. Let's just all, should we go Amish? That's that that's my question. It's got to be such a challenge to actually go without electricity. <laughs> well, I well, I will like say I will say this: uh, the Amish had zero cases of COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because they didn't have any tellies, <laughs> televisions. Yeah. I, I mean, there might well, be a correlation there. <laughs> I do wonder about that whole smell thing. Like I interacted with them throughout the whole thing. And you'd think if there's a thing that's contagious that they would be suffering from the same, like, even if it's not a virus, quote unquote, maybe it's like electromagnetism or whatever. You'd think whatever, whatever was going on with that smell thing, it seems like it would have affected them too. But 
could just be that they didn't report it because why would they? Or it could be that COVID was a disease for the fat and the old. And like, there's no such thing as a fat Amish person. And, <laughs> you know, like I, I would, I would argue otherwise. I've seen them. Have you? Okay, I live in the well. country. Yeah. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. But I don't know, man. Like they get plenty of sunshine for the most part. Oh, yeah. And, like, they're they're you know, even if they're fat, they're hardy. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, big, yeah, they're working fat. hard. They're I mean they're they're doing hard <laughs> physical work, which is what's yeah. missing from the world now. It's like you know it amuses me from somebody who has been there myself and been without electricity for some amount of time. It mm -hmm. amuses me to hear them. You know, he's saying, "Well, yeah, it's hard work. Yes, it is." You spend most of your day just gathering wood or something just to stay warm, and then the rest of the day looking for you know getting some food sort of organized so it's basically more about survival whereas our our fat dumpy lives are more about convenience you know and amusement it's like none of that we don't have to think about survival anymore because we just go down to the supermarket and it's all in plastic but these people aren't living like that and it's like it's just the way we're meant to live we are not living the way we're meant to live now <laughs> it's so obscure to the to nature and to the natural that's why there's so much depression and everything, you know, obviously. Yeah, I got to say, I've been, having, I've been having the conversation with my family recently where we in our area are having a bumper crop of fruit and there's so much that, and not just fruit, but veggies as well. It's just a good gardening year. So we're blessed in that way, but we feel obligated to harvest it all and do something with it. And I mean, my wife and I have given up away so many summer squash in the last week because we've had too much and that's on top of making pickles and hot sauce and everything we can do with it we're doing but it's just like we've got so much and how much time are you going to spend pairing apples so that you can make applesauce or cider or whatever you know exactly. like you it's Dude, uh, one of my favorite things i've ever done was trying to have uh, your own food is enslaving in a way if you let it be oh I disagree. I will disagree with natural. you there. It, <laughs> it the feels it good. It feels good. Um, it does. Like, yeah, like you said, letting... when you've done something and you've achieved something, it's a great feeling. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what's missing, mm -hmm. I think. So one of my favorite, like, personal experiences was collecting, pressing, you know, and, and bottling my own cider. You know, I lived in this orchard for a year where when the apples came in, it was like, oh, fuck, yeah. And they had this communal cider press that nobody else was using. So I'm like, fuck it, let's go. I spent a whole weekend pressing apples and I made like, I don't know, not a ton, but like a dozen or 20 bottles of cider. And like, I did what's known as a wild ferment where you don't add oh, any nice. yeast. You just let it, you don't boil it. You don't uh, pasteurize it. You just, you know, all I did was put cellophane over a wine bottle with unfiltered fresh pressed cider and let it sit for two to four weeks. And it was like the best shit I ever tasted. Um, awesome. Just saying, just saying like, I think there's something to be said here for just, it sounds cliche at this point. It's the obvious solution, but like just going back to the land. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I kind of want to play a little more of this video. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I like what this guy says here in like 2012. And so like he, he had never plowed before and I was just learning to plow. So I, I wasn't good at it. The horses weren't good at it. And 
in order to plow, you need to stay really straight. And one horse has to walk down in the furrow and the other horse has to walk up on the land. Sure. So as I was plowing, they were getting one of the horse that was, I had stand fast down in the furrow. He kept on getting out and kept on like going crooked. And I was getting so frustrated and so angry. And I was trying to make them walk straight, but they wouldn't walk straight. Okay. And so I started, I was all by myself. And so I started yelling and screaming at them and just like whipping them just, just without mercy. And then I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me and say, Titus, the way that you're, if you were married, you would be treating your wife and children this way. And I said, oh, please forgive me, Father in heaven. Please forgive me. And then I felt God telling me, Titus, you get out of line. You don't always walk the way that you're supposed to walk. How, how do you think that it makes me feel when you are not walking in the right path that you're supposed to walk? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, wow, that's right. So I asked God, please forgive me. And then I went with my horses and I asked them to forgive me. So horses have taught me a lot of patience. You know, you can't expect them to always do exactly what you tell them to do because maybe they don't understand. They've not done it before. Maybe they don't understand exactly what you want them to do. So you learn to be patient. You, you learn to take your time to teach them. And then if you're willing to put that time and that patience in, then they're willing to just serve you with their whole. When you say God, you get a message from God. Tell, walk me through that. What is that? You mean you like you actually hear something? It just naturally happens through your body. What, is, what do you mean by that? Well, like when I was saying, I felt God speaking to me or the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I didn't hear like an audible voice, but it's this very strong thought in my mind. Okay. That I know that it's not just my own thought because naturally in that situation, I was heated up and I was angry and all my thoughts were just frustration of how I couldn't get this job done. Yeah. And then there's this calm thought that comes from God reasoning with me, saying, Titus, you know, you're being unreasonable with your horses. You need to take a step back. So how. All right. So I fucking loved that. Okay. That's like that's me when I get triggered and record a fucking Instagram video. You know? <laughs> and it's like, that's what I'm getting at here with like, Hmm, you know, where where do we put our, our energy? Like, is it worth screaming? Is it worth screaming? That's Why not? Sort of like, that's sort of, um, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's worth getting things out for sure. Like Fido said earlier, you've got to kind of express things and you, different people do it different ways. So I guess you just find whichever You're way works up, for you. Stella. Oh. Not, not you... to me, not to me. That might be on your end, Bear. Uh, okay. Sorry, I don't know. She came okay. in. You came in loud and clear on on my end, but yeah. Well, like Fido said, you've got to sort of um, um, express things to maintain sanity and just find ways to express that. Maybe maybe there's different ways you, you know can be found, but whatever works for that person at that time. But um, yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Well, you know, to me, it's kind of like live and learn. Like, it's not that it's so bad to scream and yell, but like, you got to like, you know, so, so I've been going back to this idea of debrief, like debriefing 
And I almost feel like collectively we're debriefing COVID. Um, you know, I'm seeing more and more clips where it's almost like people are kind of like admitting that shit wasn't okay. And like, you know, I see, I see videos of like comics poking fun at like the COVID regime and like the whole crowd laughs, but you got to sit there and think at least half of this crowd like went along and now they're just laughing along. And it's kind of like stuff seems to be shifting, but I, I just, I'm starting to think like, yeah, the time for screaming and yelling might be over for now. I don't know. Maybe we, we see how bad it gets and we'll scream and yell if we have to, but I I'd rather kind of like be like this dude Titus and just be like, all right, you know, fuck it. I'm going to raise my horses. I'm going to raise my garden. Forget about the rest. Is that, is that like abandoning ship or is that building a new one? It's pretty much where I'm at. Even if my strategy is different than his, I'm not off grid, but I'm doing as much homesteading as I can in, in the situation I'm in, you know, I do yeah. have questions. If I could nerd out about um, Titus, does he have animals other than horses? I didn't see any like chickens or cows so, or pigs. So for, for a living, he trains and shoes horses. He's a farrier and a and a trainer. Okay. Um, and he only does it like so often when he needs money. This is the story. You know, I haven't like fully vetted this guy, but again, to well, me, that's helpful. Like, I'm just using my discernment. He seems like a, a real guy. Um, but anyways, he he grows a, a decent garden. It looked like, you know, it's like a 30 minute video, so we're not going to watch all of it. But um, it looks like a real homestead to me, you know, and this guy like, <laughs> I don't know. The story seems to check out, but I like him. Like he seems like a wise young man or at least getting there. Yeah, I watched this documentary, um, A Call Back to the Land, I think it was called. It was on it's on YouTube. Um, some Amish guy did it and it was very much along the same lines where it was just about um, staying with your family kind of thing and building like having land, building community in the local, you know, people around you um, and it's so much of the same stuff that we all talk about too, you know? Um, ah, I, I could recommend it. I could throw a link in the chat too. If you want to, if you want me to do that. Sure. Yeah. The other thing about growing food and getting back to the land is that it's, um, it also connects you well to your community, to your larger family, what have you, because you know, everyone's sort of got excess at one time, you know, in the middle of the season, everyone's got cucumbers or everyone's got zucchinis or what have you. Um, so it can be sort of like um, cooperational where, you know, this person grows that one, that person grows, there's a bit of a crossover. Everyone's kind of covered, like um, you're the lettuce guy, you're the, I mean, not just monoculture, but you know what I mean? Like there's, it's very cooperative and, and that's kind of missing because what they're doing is... Um, you know, trying to separate us as much as possible, trying to get us into this little solitary confinement, basically, which is something Drizzle touched on earlier too. Was that, um, like we're sort of, I, I keep maintaining we're already kind of in the metaverse. It's not something that's coming. We're kind of in it, but we don't quite realise it. Um, so 
that's another thing about growing food is is keeping you connected with people. I know that we, you know, when I was in Tassie and we had excess certain crops, um, we'd take it round to the old people's home and they'd cook up the excess and feed the old people. So that was good because nothing got wasted or what have you. And that kind of kept us connected a little bit with, you know, some people that were there and some of the nurses. We used to talk to them. And so there's that side of things as well. There's that connection, which is well, missing too. And I'm not saying like we all have to be Titus, right? And be like fully without electricity by any means. It's almost just like the um, the concept of simplifying that I'm getting at in yeah. whatever way. Um, yeah, like definitely. I, I have simplified my ingestion of media to where like I cut out most most things except for probably like five podcasts, you know, the ones that I tend to just trust. And and one or two that are kind of more fun than information. But, like, even that's probably too much at a certain point. Like, the goal of, of simplifying life to achieve, like, a level of peace and, like, joy. What, what else can we do, you know? Like, we're not going to beat the WEF. But at the same time, like, again, I'll get sappy and say i'm grateful for this forum because it allows me to process this shit well i wanted to throw in there too whenever we're having the question of is it okay to do the screaming video you know to express that rage the the question around that so i think that we know that if we put our information out there including this like everything's a trial balloon so that that reaction they want to gauge that they want to see how many people will go online and speak out against it. You know, it's data for them. Um, so I, but I do think that we understand that and it doesn't necessarily mean that we still shouldn't express ourselves in the way that's available to us at this time. And the other thing that you had mentioned was, you know, should I, should I not have done that? Should I stop screaming? Is it past point of screaming? But what I would say to you is that when we are, in what feels to be a cyclical, um, a sick, a cyclical place of them, you know, restricting freedom, introducing new modes of restricting freedom, um, like what they did with the COVID lockdowns, right? So you have this where your freedom is limited, and then you get some back. And the ideas of vaccine mandates were really really introduced, really came into the public forefront and they get, they got to see who's going to do lawsuits, who isn't doing lawsuits, et cetera. And then you, now we feel that they're starting to crank that. So I would say that as much as we feel like we understand what is happening, it doesn't mean that we as humans will not feel a renewed grief of, of what is taking place. And I think that well, I mean, we know it's well established that anger is part of the five stages of grief. So I expect us to continue to feel that in cycles. You know, I don't know that you're you don't want to stay there, but I think that you're a human. So, yes, it is OK to have those moments and have that grief because it is grieving. You know, it's yeah. as much as I don't want to be scared and there's a biblical pre presence for not having fear. Of course, it worries me a lot because people fucking suffered during this you know so that's it's grieving i well well i just talked to um a really good friend an old friend who's also younger than me 
and she is a mother of like four or five kids and she has heart issues now because of the vax and that shit pisses me off so bad and her doctor told her that it, that was what it was mm-hmm. you know like fuck that why does so, that piss you wait, wait wait why does that piss you off it's um I don't know. It's it's a mixture of sadness and pissed off. It just um, because it's biological warfare. Like she didn't know better when she got it. You know, I don't think they're getting it anymore. I don't think they got their kids done. <laughs> but too late for her. She was scared. She's always been a little OCD. You know, didn't just see through it. Expand on what um, Ashley was saying. Yeah, it's true. They need us to be. This is why they sort of do the COVID thing, and then you know, there's a few little sort of bumps in the road along, and then then now they're going to bring back COVID as an example. That's a cycle. So they never want anyone to get out of the grief state, like you, like Ashley pointed out. There is stages of the grief, and um, they're going to let us get just comfortable enough where we start to just take a breath, and then boom, they're going to hit us again because that's. They have to keep us in that perpetual. They can't let us process the grief because that's that's when we probably get dangerous and think too much. So, um, yeah, it's, well, that's, right. that's when we start uh, taking some of our agency back, Stella. Because once you're able to actually fully process grief, you now have a product that you can do something with, and it usually compels people to start building something. And that is, you're correct, something that they cannot allow to happen. Exactly. But the thing is that everybody's at a different stage of grief. We're not all going through this at exactly the same time. So there's never going to be a really clear time where we all can bond together and go, okay, we're, we're here now and we can fight back with this technique because everyone's at such a different stage. That's, that's why it's all such a flurry of both anger and fear and, yeah, exactly. um, I don't know, anger and fear and anger and fear and lust, I guess. Wow. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Every, everything like, negative generally comes back to fear. Yeah, so. I was just looking at that. Yeah. Denial, anger, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. That was like was Bribery. That? That was April, April, May, June, July, and August <laughs> yeah. of 2020. Holy <laughs> shit. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Man. Mm. Um, and it just keeps going. I would like to throw in there is that recently um, I was listening to Richard Grove um, on a podcast with Pete and I've heard Richard say this a lot uh, many times, you know, of us not of us looking at this as opportunity, as us having an understanding of the playing ground that we're on and not, um, you know, and not giving up. And I really like that. Not to say that I don't ever feel, you know, despair at the situation, but recently I did have that pointed out to me. And there was one other podcast that I listened to and they were just kind of, um, you know, they were kind of white. Oh, and actually it might've been Owen Benjamin um, of just trying to just say like, we understand what's happening, but we are not going to be defeated by this we can find opportunity here um so i like that message not that i'm always great at being there but right now i'm at least there you know yeah we go in and out of different phases just every now and then it's we need to walk away have our little life 
for a while and forget about all the things because nothing changes much. We come back to it and it's like, oh, here we are again. You know, the world didn't fall apart because we left. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you got to got to save yourself a little bit every now and then. And the other thing is that we're just constantly being bombarded with, you know, visual pollution, audio pollution, propaganda, what have you. We, we have to take a little bit of time out. And I'm guilty of this just as much as anyone. Um, got to take some time out to actually really reflect and hear the voice of God because it's being, you know, we're sort of like whales in the ocean. There's so much pollution now that we can't communicate anymore. I don't know, that was a strange analogy, but I've got whales in my mind. Um, but, yeah, we, we need to sort of stop and listen because it, there's not much silence. There's not much peace anymore. Anywhere you go, there's always some distraction, you know. Well, I hate to provide one more distraction, but those paper straws <laughs> to go. bullshit. Those paper straws, we all knew it. We all knew it. They're bullshit. They've got microplastics. They're worse than a regular plastic straw. Ooh, uh, what does that mean for the metal straws? Who would have thought they'd have glue? Well, we covered we, co- <laughs> we covered the ultimate um, metal straw. I don't know how many of you were on that episode, but the vampire straw that doubles as a self-defense weapon and you can oh, literally shit. jab somebody in the face with it uh, and, and drink their blood if you want. <laughs> yeah. Double bonus. Not, that's, not, that's not legal advice. <laughs> or medical. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm tempted to switch gears. Uh, does anybody have a topic they wanted to bring to the table? As usual, two hours in. I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm just in the driver's seat. It's my bad. Well, if I can just beat a dead horse for a while, can you tap a tree for syrup using those vampire straws? Most certainly. Yeah, actually, that would be a very good use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) But it'll cost you 80 bucks. You can get a regular tap for way less. Ah, good point. Well, I've got this little video here. If nobody has anything, um, we'll just keep rolling. This is like a recap of the weirdest shit from the last week. And uh, some of it might not this be week? great. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a nonstop onslaught. And I think I'll just play the whole thing and we'll like see what cream rises to the surface, so to speak, even though this is all garbage. Um We'll see what fucking garbage rises up. This is my dead cat. She's inside of Owen right now. I want to take her outside of Owen and put her in the new baby I made yesterday. Uh, Charlie leaked. Black lives matter or white lives matter? I I mean, I gotta go black lives matter. I why mean, black lives matter? Why... I don't, I don't think white lives matter. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm never, I'm, I'm not going to be a person who's going to go away, go around saying white lives matter. Like, I think that sounds a little, right. A little not good. When a uh, black or African-American child says to their teacher, teacher, can I ask you a question? And the immediate response being from the teacher uh, with a sense of 
superiority based in uh, white racial superiority, often with our 84% white female teachers, uh, the response being, that's not how we say ask. We say ask. Ask isn't a word. And so we have children that understand their home language practices uh, to be not just deficit, not just wrong, but broken. This is why that DEI piece, the diversity, equity, inclusion piece, becomes much more substantial because the reason why our students have always been failing is because of structural racism and because we don't have a lot of money compared to the amount of money that we should be allocated. So um, maybe we need to be more explicit about that, that white supremacy is um, very alive and well in our schools. Aside from the fact that trans women are not a threat to other women in the bathroom, it is equally unsafe for both trans women and cisgender women alike to go in a men's restroom. See, men don't want me in the bathroom looking like this. They want me to go back to being a man and they're gonna take any opportunity they can to antagonize a trans woman in an attempt to convince her to be a man. So the second a trans woman sets foot in a men's bathroom, she is unsafe. The second any woman sets foot in a men's bathroom, she's not safe. The majority of women understand this. Out of the thousands of bathrooms I've been in, I've only had an issue two times. And despite what happened in both of those times, I would still never set foot in a men's restroom ever again. Nigger, I'm a fucking nigger. Nobody uses that word. Yes, they do. Nobody says nigger. You just say it. You acting like don't fuck we're having a conversation. You can say the word, but I can't. You can't say nigger or fucking nigger. Calling somebody. The homers are not your fucking teacher. Don't say that shit. If we're in a class and I'm teaching you, hey. Feeling down. Spice up your life right at summer Okay, that's enough. Actually, to be to be honest, the one that I found most interesting was the second to last one there, where it's a it's a classroom and they're talking about the use of the word nigger. Look at me, I just said it. And the context hey, of the use of the word nigger and how if you're talking about the use of the word nigger versus oh, calling someone a nigger, awesome. that's... <laughs> One more Look time, Mike. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. I have, I have blood on my hands, y'all. I am, you know, if, if I disappear tomorrow, you all know why. <laughs> no you'll become famous tomorrow that's what will happen so, so that, bravo you know what, you know what i did somebody a billion dollars you know what i did with that yeah a billion yeah good luck getting that out of me at least alex <laughs> jones has, you know he has a few million but what i did there with that clip was take the whole bowl of spaghetti and threw the whole motherfucker at the wall so anyways <laughs> like share any thoughts at this point it's i so will go ahead Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe take take notes. Don't forget what you want to say. <laughs> Should have done that. <laughs> Same. Um, yeah, because I kind of forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I, I'm so sick of pussy culture. Like, oh, it's systemic racism. It's because they had their fucking language corrected. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was a rural... North Carolina country child who came 
from nothing. And guess what? When I went to the fifth grade and said, ain't this and ain't that and ain't that, I got corrected every time. Okay. And I'm still fucking here. I'm fine. As okay yeah. as, you know, it's I racist. am. It's racist to say that the word ask could be pronounced. If you're going to teach ask. someone to spell, they should know how to say it. So they understand the correlation between spelling <laughs> and saying. Right. I'm just. Uh, have we already gone to drag queen meteorologist? Like yeah. what? we are there. We're there. <laughs> we we're are so there. We are so there, bub. We're back. We're fucking back, man. Like when? When did? When did that happen? <laughs> Apparently, like, I missed that past, part. I think this was mostly recent shit. So, like this past week, the premise of wow. this clip was like you know this week in review um yeah so stella St i saw stella's mic unmute what do you have for us stella oh i was just gonna say to drizzle it it just sort of creeps up on you and pounces really you don't see it coming <laughs> did you <laughs> the, the whole drag thing i don't know i just can't decide whether people actually believe this stuff or whether they're all actors i don't know are, are people really that sick i think they like the attention yeah, yeah, and that's what we're doing, isn't it? We're not we, but society in general is encouraging mental illness. I mean, I can't help thinking of all these elites that you know they're the fat, chubby. They've got their fog watch chains. They got their cigars. It's a smoky room. They've got their nice leather lounges. They're all sitting back, going, <laughs> "Can't believe they bought that one." <laughs> you know, I just—it's just ridiculous. What happened to the human nature of thinking, like? It's it's incredible how generations can be shaped. I mean, it just shows how powerful the propaganda is. These concepts that we couldn't even begin to imagine, what, three, four years ago almost. I mean, not that drag queens are new, but they've certainly come to the forefront and they w weren't in schools that I recall uh, before 2020 or 1, 21. So, I don't know. It's just like how how did humans get to this absolutely ridiculous place? I'm still trying to figure that bit out. I'm I'm way back. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> well, and something with the uh, with the other drag queen in there who was talking about the bathrooms, I found myself going, "Hell yeah, we would try to turn you back into a guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not gonna let you in the bathroom dressed like that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's because that's what is actually true. Like we us us <laughs> guys have a thing for trying to reveal truth. Hopefully, some of us. <laughs> just these conversations that you could never imagine having i mean it's i don't know i just can't i can't i still can't fathom it <laughs> how much of it is psyop and how much of it are there real players you know that's what i'm trying to figure out so so you know i'm not trying to like be mr <laughs> mr <laughs> but how about I'll the go for it you, you've already committed to plenty of other things in this podcast, so go ahead. So, <laughs> like, what's up with the PSYOP where, like, you're allowed to say it if you're black, but you're not allowed to say it if you're white? And, like, this, this poor high school teacher who's simply trying to impart some semblance of logic and saying you need to be allowed to talk about the thing in order to fix the thing. You know, like, so for example, okay, 
I wrote a novel. I've told all y'all that before, but that word does appear exactly two times in my novel. And it's because the context of it is, is relevant. And I'm not going to explain it further than that, but I'll say that I almost got into a fist fight with a guy because while I, I was writing that novel, I had just finished writing that paragraph, that chapter, and I step outside. I was writing at the bar, right? I found it very useful to sit surrounded by people when it came to writing. And so I'm sitting there with a beer and I'm finishing this chapter and I step outside the bar to smoke. And I get into a chat with a couple of guys and they're like, you know, I'm like in this mind space where all I care about is the story. And they're like, what you, what you doing, man? I'm like, I'm writing a fucking book. And they're like, oh yeah, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And, and I said something along the way about Mark Twain. And one of them goes, oh, like the racist Mark Twain. And I go, what? And he's like, yeah, that dude like wrote nigger. He didn't say it. He said, that guy wrote the N-word. And I'm like, well, guess what? So did I like literally just, you know, just now, like it's in my, you know, whatever, like it's a part of a story. It's a context thing. And he's like, oh, so you're racist too. And then like a month later, this guy runs into me. I forgot all about him. And he decides that's time to pick a, pick a fight. And I basically, you know, said, go pound sand. But point is context has no place. Yeah, the Mark Twain, the Mark Twain thing definitely speaks to me because, like, he was making fun of everybody. He was he like was, Mel Brooks. He was like Mel Brooks. He was making fun of racism. He was making fun of racism. He was making fun of Christians. He was making fun of government. He was making fun of whatever, like, other institutions or structures. There, like, he was just making fun of everything and everyone. Like, and and those were such great stories. They were so formative for me. Like, who cares if the N-word was in there? <laughs> it wasn't about that. It's exhausting, but I really, I think that they have us very well trained to be highly reactionary to that word. And that one has been a long time coming. A lot of the newer stuff is they're working on having us be that reactionary over like, giving birth and breastfeeding and stuff like that. But this was the original iteration of, of that, I think. Well, Ism Kand often talks about um, something that I think about a bit too, is it's interesting that like the power of words, he was, you know, he said something the other day about um, the indigenous Australians who, I mean, they'll call themselves Aboriginals as well. I just prefer to call them indigenous for whatever reason. Anyway, uh, it's not so much now, but back in the older days, to refer to them as um, like a shortened version of that, I don't even know if I can say it, to be honest. It's ridiculous. I'm just going to say it. Abos, right? So that's sort of considered very disrespectful. Say, so, oh, he's just an abo or whatever. It's it's sort of like, yeah, it's just a but, disrespectful kind of I, term. And it, but but Aboriginal is not disrespectful? Am I am I wrong in thinking that Aboriginal would mean not original 
Well, that's the reason that I sort of prefer not to use Aboriginal myself. However, the Indigenous talk about themselves and each other as Aboriginal. So it's sort of like, well, that's just kind of what they've been known as. It wasn't yeah, until and, very and recently black, my friend and, pointed it and out. And black dudes call each other nigger. Yeah, yeah. Similar sort of thing. So, I mean, it's not like... My cousin who was in college they call other brown people black that guys too. nigger and he swears that it's okay to say nigger and not nigger. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Well, we, yeah, right. we joke about the hard R, man. There is something to it. There's something to it. I dropped like 12 hard R's tonight, guys. I'm, I am very ashamed to say that I said that, man. Uh, I don't say that usually. Cause, Just um, edit a soft R in there later. Sensitive. <laughs> yeah. Just words, it, it, man. Yeah. But yeah, that's what that was my point. It's sort of it's interesting the power of words, and they do have power, obviously, because mm-hmm. you know they can also be mis- misconceived, especially in texts and things like that. I mean, that's another. This is a whole new language, and I, I get in trouble with this all the time because, for some reason, some people take a context of something you've written, and it's like, well, no, that's not what I meant, but that it's been taken that way or what have you, and it's you know it's happened various times with various people as well, but. Um, it's one of those things where it's almost this new language of you got to you, – I even got in trouble for an emoji um, in this other Australian group. It's like – Come on. Uh, you, know, you know how on – I did. Uh, you know how on Telegram um, you can only put – Yeah. How I'm, I'm learning all the time. So you know how on Telegram you can only react with one emoji, whereas I don't know if you guys know, but on Discord you can put several emojis. So you can almost make a story out of your emoji reactions if you're so inclined. Um, so – because of Telegram, like I wanted to put clown, the clown emoji, and then the world emoji, but there was only room for one, so I put the clown emoji. And so the dude who um, texted, I mean, yeah, wrote the post, thought that I was calling him a clown, and it wasn't the case. I was actually calling what he was saying, like the, you know, whatever he posted was like, oh, that's real clown worldy. So there was this whole discussion where I had to sort of settle him down a little bit. It's like, no, dude, wow. dude, <laughs> wait a minute. We just had to sort of get it straight and, you know, it was in the end, it was like, oh, no, that's cool, you know, I probably misread things. It was like, yeah, it was all cool, but it's just like, this is just another example of several lately, aren't they, Ashley? <laughs> um, the way things have gone a little bit astray and it's like, no, <laughs> it's just a freaking, it's the way you perceive something. I can't own that. <laughs> you know, like... Always, always Sunny covered this very well. Um, they They did an episode called Texting or like The Gang Texts. I don't know if y'all watch Always Sunny, but like it's all about the miscommunication and like the misunderstanding and like the use of emojis in you know in replacement of words and like are we going back to hieroglyphics? But like pictographs, but like a very retarded version of hieroglyphics and and pictographs. Yeah, yeah. I was a teenager when email was brand new, and I so like at the same time as I was dipping my toes into dating and stuff i was emailing and i quickly learned that um your tone by text is not communicated so it's the same thing with emails as texts and emojis like you you can say something sarcastically and that will be taken entirely the wrong way (laughs) Right, right 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 Tread, tread carefully in text. Yeah. Um, it's why, oh, especially I tend... with sarcasm. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm, I love sarcasm. So yeah, I'm always but yeah, getting... especially <laughs> sarcasm. <laughs> it's why I like sarcasm. It's why I tend to avoid texting in general. Um, 
personally. I don't know. I just hate responding. I'm like, I don't even know, dude. I'm like, fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. All right. So are y'all ready to shift gears one more time? I think this might be our last topic. Um, we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping Ando shows up. He said he'd pop in, but it's getting late. Anywho, have y'all ever heard of... He could, sorry. Well, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say he could be getting up to anything at those truck stops. Like you never know. Dancing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard something about lizards, like lot lizards and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Anywho, have y'all heard of uh, this guy, Alice Cooper? Yes. Yeah. He yeah. was Maybe in Wayne's World, right? Well, oh, my God. Been in, He's yeah. been around. He's been oh, doing. That's right, stuff. he was. Isn't he in some super band like Vampire Weekend or something? Oh, oh, it's one of my favorite so. albums. Is Welcome to My Nightmare. I've seen him live a couple of times. Okay, so my dad always told me he's like, believe it or not, like he's not even a huge Alice Cooper guy, but he says, best live show ever, Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. And Alice Cooper got in trouble this week. They're trying to cancel him. Have you all heard about this? Yeah, I've heard about yes. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's just watch. We'll see how far we go. But uh I you know, I like I like the inherent ironies involved in this story. I'm back, Rudrance for Black and White Network. Well, let's talk about one of my all-time favorite rockers, Alice Cooper. That's right. School's out. Welcome to my nightmare, Poison, and my favorite particular album from Alice Cooper ever, Constrictor. That's right. Teenage Frankenstein, and of course, the theme song for one, Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6, my all-time favorite horror movie. Alice Cooper sings two jams in that, including the theme song, He's Back the man behind the mask. Well, the rocker, of course, he's been going for 40 years. A lot of people don't know this. Alice Cooper is a devout Christian. He's he's very religious, actually. Even with his rock music, he's very religious. And uh, so he made some comments, what many would call, these are pretty common sense comments for a rocker these days. And guess what? He made these comments and he's already lost a deal with somebody he was partnered up with. They've already canceled him. I shit you not. Alice Cooper literally signed a partnership deal with what was called Vampire Cosmetics. Now, we know Alice wears makeup. Signed a deal with him. Two weeks later, he makes these comments. They fire him five hours ago. It's unbelievable. So now, if you speak out or you just make common sense comments about the fact that You know, nobody should be trying to push anything onto children, like flipping genders. Oh, well, the radical thinking is Alice Cooper. Wait, what? No. No. But if you don't align with that LGBTQ ideology, if you don't condone this, it's going to be a wrap for you. It's crazy. By the way, Carlos Santana came out made the exact same comments. He's already apologized. It hadn't even been a day. 
They just showed the apology on the TV screen while I was watching. He bent the knee at record speed. Now, we probably know what happened with Carlos. His agent called and said, your long career is about to be over. Now, is that true? No. Because I guarantee you, if he'd have stuck by those comments and just played music like Carlos Santana has always done, he would continue to pack the house. But no, he backed off. He bent the knee, got down on both knees, really. And here we go. Alice Cooper, uh, Fox News, and I've got New York Post. By the way, the other comment he made is he went on tour with Johnny Depp. And, you know, uh, everybody's tried to cancel Johnny. Disney doesn't. They're, they're going to regret not wanting to work with him on the Pirates of the Caribbean 25 or whatever number they're on. But, my goodness, we can't work for him because uh, work with him because of Amber Heard. Alice Cooper also made some comments about the fact that nobody gave a rat's ass that Johnny Depp was touring with Alice Cooper and playing in his band. We all know Johnny Depp is a musician. We'll get to that, too. Legendary rocker Alice Cooper thinks modern, quote, woke ideology has gone too far. Cooper, born Vincent Damon Ferner, Fernier has, has had a decade-spanning career as a rock star whose performances are famously theatrical to the point he was once one of the most famous examples of the genre shock rock. Stereo gum journalist Rachel Brodsky published an interview with The Rocker Wednesday where she suggested he had, quote, played around with gender expectations as a performer in the past, but now some of his theatrical rock peers like Paul Stanley of Kiss and Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister have voiced skepticism about aspects of gender ideology. All right, I'm going to stop it right there because I find that all kind of interesting, that last statement. Twisted Sister and Kiss and Alice. I find it hilarious. Cooper, you know, these people who, yeah, did kind of almost push the envelope of gender ideology or gender they didn't identity. almost they did for they did. their time they did. period that's what makes this so absurd they're all like he wait, was wait, wait, one wait. of the progenitors of the whole gender bending shock rock uh genre i mean but tell that us was more in his pre-christian days as well I, that that makes absolutely no difference to me it it it, it really does because it's it's like, all right, it, it would be like uh, like Kissinger. Kissinger decides at like age 75 uh, that, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a born-again Christian and, and, and I love God now, so uh, forgive me for all the terrible shit, all the children that I blew up for how many decades? Oh, I totally agree with you. I'm just uh, reflecting on the fact that what he's saying now as opposed to what he did back then, the difference is that he became a Christian in between, so... That's all I'm pointing out. That's Does he still wear makeup when he performs? Hmm. Well, he had a partnership. I don't know about well, right now. His, he his, had a partnership with a makeup company. that His Christianity is more recent then. Because when I heard that he's a Christian, I was like, that. I had the same gut reaction as I did when my dad told me Trump had found God. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, like, God. George Bush found God. Yeah, <laughs> it was in the eighties. Actually, he got cleaned up um, due to a, a health scare from his alcoholism. Well, uh, I mean, how how different is it from wh where we started with these like Christian screamo metal guys who 
grew their hair long and and you know i mean it's all the same right it keeps coming back around but i'm not i'm not gonna write off alice cooper entirely it sounds like he's maybe got a semblance of common sense to him once again you know i don't know maybe i'm just pushing it but like i want to say you know give him the benefit of the doubt but take it with a grain of salt right yeah which I think I think that's how we should treat a lot of these people, like like Joe Rogan's one, who even mm-hmm. if I think he's an honest guy, like you guys said before, he is probably controlled by someone, and we don't necessarily know who that is. But um, he seem he pisses me off when people tell him what's up, and he seems to not learn it pretty consistently. You know, so someone has has his ear stronger than Dave Smith or some of the other more based people that he has on. Um, and with like, with the sexually uh, ambiguous or androgynous musicians and stuff, I find it fascinating how like some of them are coming around and to be like more on the side of um, what's right. And some of them are also bending the knee and it's weird. Cause like Eddie Izzard and Robert Smith are two guys who, had been in like long-term marriages and, and everything. And, but they're kind of bending the knee now they're like Eddie Izzard came out. He's not just mm-hmm. a transvestite. He's transgender. Right. And Robert Smith, of course, supports Ukraine and all that and whatever, but he's been married for, I don't know, 40 years or something <laughs> to a woman. <laughs> um, it's just, it's weird to see where some of these, some of these people land who, um, I, man, I hate to even think about some of my musical heroes in this context because good Lord, look at what awesome happened to Jello, musicians. man. Have you seen Jello Biafra lately? No. Oh, dude. He's a total establishment stooge completely like the exact opposite of the persona that he used to, to portray. Like it's, it's night and day. It's Oh, yeah. How many of them are? I mean, how many of them were just, you know, disestablishmentarianists and now they've turned around and they're just bending. Yeah. Bending the knee, rolling up the sleeve, whatever. Most of them. It's the reason why Liberty Radio exists in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do we feel? The ultimate Pied Pipers. Did they, did that, is that something that changed or was that the whole purpose of them to start with? You know, was it, does it go back to the the Tavistock, so to speak? Well, I mean, yeah, it depends on it depends on who you ask. If you're asking exactly. Dave McGowan, he's saying absolutely it goes back to the intelligence agencies. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think we at least have like Eric Clapton and Van Morrison and um I'm Don't blank. count on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't count on it. The Smiths. Morrissey. Hmm. Well, you know, Morrissey, the Beatles maybe. that, that Morrissey, upsets a lot maybe. of people. Well, um, that's, you know, that's all I brought to the table here tonight, y'all. Any, um, any final thoughts, concerns, questions, uh, comments, what have you? I think at this point we just have to go every day is a new day because we can't really rely on anything. It's like plans are hard to make. It's sort of almost a little bit painful to look back (laughs) knowing that you know pre-20 and then post-20 
So I think we've just got to treat every day as a new day, basically, and a new start. Sun comes up, sun goes down, no matter what happens. Apparently, unless you're a flat earthist and then, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's all I got. Anybody, anybody, yeah. Oh, I like it. Well, should we wrap her up? I mean, we've been going. We've done a good job as usual, you know. I think uh Yeah, I think we should. I got to get up early tomorrow morning. I'm yeah, going to be on yeah. AM wake up. Well, let's uh That'll be good. I'm looking real forward quick. to that. I'm hoping so. Yeah. I'm hoping it'll wait, be a wait, good wait. time. Plug but, that real quick. I wasn't listening. What? Say it again. What? I'm going to be on AM wake up with uh Stephen uh Chris. Huh. I've the never listened. Best damn morning show around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, over on the Rockfin. You should go and check it out. What is it? It's uh I think he starts at let's see seven Pacific, so that would be ten Eastern, and it goes for three hours. Uh, I'll be on as of eleven Eastern. No, wait, no, I'm screwing that up. I don't know. Just I would say go check the channel, <laughs> Rockfin.com. AM wake up. AM wake up. Right on. Yeah. Well, let's let's run around the circle real quick. We'll uh, we'll tell everybody who we are once more, and we will close this motherfucking forum out. I am Mike the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast. Uh, you can find all my shit at Easy Peasy. Wait, yep, that's right, Easy Peasy. Itty Bitty. Tips, and I'll pass it to Ashley. Okay, you can find me at unionoftheunknowns.com, at unionunknowns on Twitter, and uh, yeah. Just touch base. Drizzle. Uh, I am the Drizzle, and uh, I do a little thing called Liberty Radio four nights a week, nine to midnight Eastern over on uh, our Odyssey channel. That's where we broadcast. You can find more information for that at manufacturingreality.org. How about you, Stella? Pod horse, Stella Q. Um, You can find me in... uh... (laughs) various corners um usually with crayons so um union of the unknowns a little bit to do with uh, brad binkley on the propaganda report sometimes and uh drew missing the point you're missing the point in an australian podcast we often talk about things that are happening here over to you bear snare bear snare at thebearsnare.com and my friends hate freedom podcast um, yeah, and I've been enjoying listening to all your guys' shows and even reading your books, Mike. <laughs> it's been awesome. Appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody should buy Hey Duke 2029. Uh, you know, it's it's my first book, but I think it's decent. I don't know. I'm not going to try to oversell it's it. It's very but... entertaining. It's a real page turner. Good. That's what I was going for. Well, thanks for coming. You know, another great WTF forum. I have officially lost count, y'all. I have no idea how many forums have been held. Good, that's how all, it should be. Not they've enough. All been great. Not enough. Okay, Amen. shout out, Amen. shout out to Ando. He's in the chat in YouTube. Yep. Oh, yep. Hey, shout out to Ando. Shout out what to all Ando. of our, all of our hosts who couldn't make it. But <laughs> thanks for coming, guys. Uh, we will, we will do it again soon. 